everybody for joining us sorry about the background noise <laughs> still have never found a good way to to fix that while still having chat open uh, always comical anyways um this week we have uh casual fields and attack of the grow uh thanks for joining us this week thanks for having us yeah really really great to have you guys on we've talked to you guys for a little bit and uh you guys were uh, giving out stuff during the uh, virtual aquaponic cannabis conference. So uh, super stoked to have you guys on. Really appreciate it. Um, for those of you guys who are looking for uh, uh, aquaponic cannabis content, we did a two-day conference. You can check that out right here on the Potent Products YouTube channel. Uh, you can also check me out this weekend if you're interested. Uh, we will have a virtual booth Friday and Saturday uh, over at the Aquaponics Association this weekend. And then we will have, uh, I have a presentation on aquaponic microbes on Saturday, uh, Sunday morning and then on Sunday afternoon I have a presentation on commercial uh, aquaponic cannabis in 2020 and a bunch of different techniques that um, have kind of um, moved to the forefront and then a bunch of a uh, whole breakdown and side-by-sides between supplemented and non-supplemented uh, dual root zone versus non-dual root zone and a bunch of other kind of comparative uh, slides showing a bunch of different methods with cannabis at a commercial scale uh, and what the results were so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to go over some cool techniques for people, especially we have a couple of great slides in the microbial section uh, for people that are uh, maybe outside the reach of traditional um, agriculture or maybe far away uh, in Africa. I learned some cool stuff in Africa around pest management, and uh, we're going to kind of bring that information to the people out uh, in, in aquaponics, especially, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are doing this in more remote areas, and this is going to help people uh, fight some of the pests that they have in their area, even if they're really in the middle of nowhere and have to make it themselves. Uh, so it's going to be pretty cool. So don't miss that. And uh, I'm sure they'll eventually find their way online. Uh, uh, I think they're reposting them or, or have a subscription for a year or something like that. So then they'll post them or something like that that they're doing. So uh, it, it'll be really cool. So check that out over at the Aquaponics Association. Alrighty, guys. Uh, thanks a lot for, for joining us today. Uh, please tell us a little bit about more what you guys do. Um, so for those of you guys who aren't familiar with Casual Fields, Casual Fields is a really cool fermented uh, comfrey fertilizer and, and plant supplement uh, that helps the plants grow in a whole bunch of different ways. And they're going to explain the science of it and, uh, and, and uh, break it down much more scientifically than I just poorly explained it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, But it's a great product and there's a lot of uh, people uh, that we've had on and a lot of our community uh, lo would love to find some other uh, resources to supplement their systems that aren't necessarily mineral, you know, directly mineral based. So um, this is a really cool option for people trying to further enhance their systems. It doesn't have any kind of negative impact on your fish and uh, it's, it's a, a cool product. So uh, thanks to guys for, for joining us. Uh, thank you for having us. So uh, this is casual fields. Hi. And I'm attack of the grow and we, uh, we both uh, grow comfrey. Uh, this is the plant right here, it's the leaf. Um, we've been doing it for a long, long time. And um, so there's a lot of, a lot of crops have been grown with this, um, this, this plant. And um, thanks to uh, my good buddy, Mike here, he, uh, he uh, let us use uh, some of his land to grow some really, really cool um, 
to just do some really cool things. We're generally farmed uh, comfrey. Um, Steve, did you have any specific questions like for your, your viewers that you wanted us to hit? Like first? I guess, I guess to start off, I guess um, a lot of people aren't familiar with the concept of, of fermented plant fertilizers, uh, even as a thing, maybe they're, they've only been exposed to general hydro products, or maybe they grew up on a farm and they bought that 2020 and they're whatever, whatever, uh, explain to them why, why they should, you know, consider this type of thing. This seems new to a lot of people and uh, explain to them why this is kind of a better way to go. Uh, it, it really is. And uh, I think you guys understand it better than most. I'd love to hear, you know, kind of, uh, uh, y'all's take on it because it really you know is a much healthier and better source of nutrients than, than you know going to those uh, uh we like to call them baby bottles before people learn how to how to grow yeah um i don't know do you want to start or no no okay so um, it's comfrey the plant itself um we, we ferment these leaves they they have um a, an npk value but it's not the NPK value we, we grow it for and use it for. Um, what we're doing is we're, we're actually after the amino acids uh, that, that are in, found in this leaf. Um, when you ferment this, what happens is um, the, the amino acids actually, actually do something with the minerals that are also found in, in comfrey. See, comfrey, when it's grown regeneratively, it, it's it's very nutrient dense. Um, the soil that we that we grow it in is is uh, regeneratively maintained, which means um, we're not using any salt NPK um, inputs. It's it's all organically done. So if we're putting something on the ground, it was something that was grown um, and fermented, or it's fermenting or composting in place. Um, but the, the, the liquid that's in these bottles, uh, it, it's the amino acids that have chelated those minerals. That it's a lot of the smaller minerals that, that the plants need in very, very minute amounts, but they need to be able to get at them. So um, we can go deeper into that, but you know, not to get too technical, it, the amino acids um, allow the plant or, or make it so that the, the, the minerals are bioavailable to your plants. All kinds of minerals. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. And we, we've heard a lot of before about um, like F, you know, fish, fermented fish amino acids and stuff like that. Um, I think you're the first person to kind of talk about plant uh, uh, amino acids. So tell us a little bit more about plant amino acids and, and you know, some of the other benefits uh, um, uh, aside from uh, increased mineral but, uh, bioavailability, because that sounds super, super amazing. And, and people are, again, there's also people that are growing veganically and, and want to have a non um, you know, meat-based source of, of amino acids, and this gives them a great option as well. Yeah, this would definitely be veganic. Um, you know, that was an oversight on the label, but uh, it's it's all plant inside, plant and minerals. Um, so, so there are other chelators. There are synthetic chelators. Um, the word chelate is um, a Latin or Greek word, which means claw, um, and it literally means that this chelator, it's a compound that holds on to the element. Um, so for example, you have things that react in your soil or in your substrate, like um, a calcium and magnesium, for example, or calcium and phosphorus. Uh, without these amino acids, being able to chelate 
these specific minerals, it makes it difficult for your plant to take these up. Um, what also can happen is that you get these, these interactions uh, where things can be either locked out, it could be in the soil, but it's just locked out, tied up um, and bound. So back to amino acids, there, there, there are synthetic aminos like uh, EDTA, and don't ask me to pronounce what it actually means because it's a tongue twister. <laughs> but um, it's a synthetic. Um, and then you have uh, the natural aminos that come from the comfrey plant. Um, these are organic amino acids. Um, what's cool about organic amino acids is that the whole molecule is used by the plant. The, the chelator, which, it, which surrounds the plant, is, I believe it's used as a nitrogen source. So the plant uses everything. Um, with the synthetics, you'll see a bottle, and if you look on the back, it won't be on this bottle, but on the back of some of these bottles, um, you'll see uh, EDTA on the back of them, which is a chelator, but it's a synthetic chelator. Plant doesn't do anything with that. It, it doesn't absorb it. It's not a nitrogen source. It doesn't use it. it just... the, the plant can see that it's um, something that's synthetic, so it takes the EDTA back out and pushes it back into the soil. It's, it's really good for what it does it's a it's a, um, it's a great compound for the actual growing of stuff but the problem is is that it holds on to heavy metals and it never lets go so what happens with the watershed is um, edta holding on to metals gets washed away and that goes into our watershed so we don't have those types of problems when we're working with organic substances that are uh that are chelating and on the subject of heavy metals, we also use things in the garden, um, a lot of, lot of uh, fungus, stuff that, that's going to help remediate any heavy metals that may, may be present in the soil. So, you know, we do our part to make sure that we're growing. Um, we eat everything that comes out of our soil. So it's, <laughs> the, only, the only good heavy metal is the movie. And the music. Yeah. yeah. Good animation. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I don't know. So that that's kind of just without getting too deep into amino acids. That's like chemistry at that point. But um, basically, what it is, it's it's kind of like uh, if you go to a if you ever go to a, a bar and there's a line out front, um, the chelate, the dude that can get into that spot, no problems. <laughs> And he'll even join you. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I don't know if anybody's listening in chat, but um, if there are anybody that, that have any specific questions as to how, how these things work, I'd be, we'd be more than happy to answer, answer these. So. Sure, yeah, um, well, uh, it says, um, uh, would you have a clip of how to use this? Uh, I'm sure it's pretty concentrated. Um, uh, what's the best way to, you know, for application? Um, the, we, we found that um, it's very effective both in, in, in drench and in foliar. Uh, one of the reasons it makes a very, very effective foliar uh, feed is, is because of these amino chelates. The, there's an amino acid that's really, really tiny. It's glycine. And, and that permeates cell walls readily. So anything that that particular amino and any of the smaller amino acids have, have held onto makes it right into the, into the plant. That's, that's why I like using, uh, we developed this because I, 
we're, you know, but just like the hair club guy, we, we're also patients. We, we, we use this. This is something that I've used um, in, in past grows to, to get over before, this is before I was doing um, fully organic, um, is, is we were having uh, nutrient deficiencies, lockouts, issues, it, you know, you first start, you, you don't know what you're doing really half the time and everyone on the forums are, are telling you otherwise. And so um, we discovered this and, and really didn't understand exactly what was it, what it was doing until we, we, we were helping people, started the company, started helping people uh, do this. And so um, have you, have you, I think Marty, we, we shipped Marty a couple of bottles. I wanted to actually ask him when, when he comes in uh, to, to see how, how it's, it's, it's uh, responding in his garden. Yeah, he'll be here shortly. I know he had uh, some family stuff he was dealing with, but he'll be joining us as, as soon as he's able to. Uh, I was looking at um, uh, some of the guys' content. I saw you guys use it quite a bit with clones. Do you want to tell people about some of the benefits of using some of uh, the you know, uh, plant-based amino acids with, with clones and you know maybe plants that are kind of recovering from, from some other illness or, or problem? Yeah, that's the, that's the thing with, with the the conferring the, the the way that the chelators work it, it's like going to the hospital and having an iv you get everything you need because it, it just passes through the cells so we just did a run of clones um and they they pop very quickly we, we so we make the mix um and um instruction on the back it's really really easy to use you just dilute it into um filtered water and depending on what you plan on doing with it, it's just the concentration, you know, it's three to six ounces in a soil drench per gallon and um, one to three in a foliar feed. And just put that in a spray bottle, shake, shake the bottle, pour it, shake it and hit your plants. There's no problem doing both. You can do drench and foliar at the same time. Uh, the plants love it. Yeah, because it, it passes through the roots too. Oh, one thing that it does in the root zone uh, um, we we discovered is um, is that it's 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 good at opening the, the calcium ion channels in your roots. <laughs> and I um, I had the pleasure of talking to uh, um, uh -oh, Harley, Harley Smith from when he was with MPK. I got to meet him at MJ BizCon a couple of years back, and we talked at length about what amino's and and, and biostimulants do in the soil. And that's one of the things is it, it can it can accelerate those reactions a thousand times faster, which is, I don't, I don't know where they get the number a thousand from, but uh, you know, when your plants start standing up and your leaves are, are praying, uh, something's happening to your plant. So that's, that's one of the things that, that we, we've noticed. Oh yeah. When their nutrients are happy and your VPD is locked in, uh, they'll start praying for sure. They'll pray to that light. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, growing plants, I mean, we could talk about PV and go down that rabbit hole too. It's, it's very important to have everything in, 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 in its happy moment because, uh, you know, from lighting, environment, nutrients, all of it. Needs uh, to be tell us fine. about your grow practices. You guys are growing it there. Um, using regenerative practices. Tell us about some of your different methods and techniques you guys are using as part of your grow process for cultivation. Uh, one, of the, one of the benefits of this property is that it used to be an orchard. Um, so there were, there were decades of um, 
cherry trees and um, apricots and peaches being grown on all this land around here. So we have the benefits of all of that. Um, Comfrey itself sends roots about 30 feet into the ground and starts grabbing at stuff that, um, that other plants just can't get at. Uh, it's dy dynamic accumulator. Uh, pulls all of those things up into the leaves and uh, that's what we're able to, to use in the ferment is all the stuff that the other plants can't get at. Um, the, the practices that we've been doing, um, I've been building uh, this soil for the last four, four years. Um, constantly chopping and dropping um, what's coming out of the actual leaves itself is so good. Uh, up, uh, up until the last harvest we had, we, we do about 30% of all the leaves that come off the conifer are going right back in. Uh, we also layer with um, alfalfa, barley straw. Uh, we're doing, we're experimenting with a lot of different cover crops um, to see what, what goes best uh, in companion planting with these. Um, but basically just keep on building since we don't have the, the benefit of having animals to eat some of the foliage and create waste um, that creates that microbiology, we're working with uh, compost teas. Um, after listening to uh, your, your podcast, probably an obsessive amount of times on, on the podcast, uh, really want to start diving down that uh, lactobacillus and IMO uh, uh, train. I, I, I want to go down that really, really hard. I actually have some questions for that. I'll, I'll be asking you about later some specifics. Um, but yeah, we're trying, we're trying to keep it as uh, good, as natural, as organic. We'll, we'll show you leaves that, that the slugs have gotten to. It, it, we're, we're not using anything that's going to that's gonna be killing those. Yeah. Um, we only actually pick the best, the best leaves to put in the bottles. And we have so much comfrey back there that we can afford to just pick only the best leaves. So you know, to make the premium products, we're, we're, we're always looking to put the, the healthiest ones in there and the rest of it can just go back in the, in the soil and, 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 and build that soil and, and keep everybody happy. Right now we have about 206 plants. Um, we just cleared some, some concrete that we, uh, we just threw some cover crop on top of. The, it's been covered in concrete since the 1950s. So we're trying to rehabilitate that soil and then uh, we'll get some more uh, concrete in there. And then we have about another 2000 square feet of concrete that we're gonna be removing about hundred square feet at a time to start expanding. So hopefully on, on just this property here, including all of our vegetable gardens that, that, uh, that we have concrete growing in that we just chop and drop. Uh, I'm hoping to have somewhere around 600 uh, plants just on this property alone. Uh, I'm dedicated to it. Um, anybody who's watched this, uh, this documentary, Kiss, Kiss the Ground. Yeah, Kiss the uh, Ground. With it, it's really good. I can't, I can't express how good that, that, uh, that documentary it is. And anybody who really wants to know like an easy, easily digestible form of what is regenerative farming and, um, and why are these guys doing it? I suggest you, you watch it. It's, very light. It, it's not crammed down your throat, science, boring, anything. It's got Woody Harrelson narrating it. Who doesn't love Woody Harrelson? Um, so yeah, give give that uh, a watch if you're interested in regenerative farming and understanding why we're doing what we're doing. Carbon se sequestration, um, 
basically doing everything that we can to help the earth. It, if, if you're not doing anything just because you're doing a little, it, it, it's stopping everything. Like do, if everybody did a little, it would, it would mean a lot. Mm -hmm. Collectively. Yeah. So yeah, that show was really neat. When, when people ask me, um, what it is exactly that I do or what we're doing and how we grow this. And I start going down the whole regenerative farming thing, the rabbit hole of explaining what exactly it is. I think that that show does a really, really good job in um, encompassing what we're trying to do uh, with, without getting, like you said, without getting too over the head. Like when I start talking to people about it, they, they, I get to a point where they, have a blank stare and like, whatever. <laughs> so we, we don't want to be preachy. And, and, and I feel like um, Kiss Ground isn't being preachy. Um, it just explains very, very well why the farming practices that have been used for the last couple hundred years are, are, are not the best farming practices for our earth. Um, everything from their satellite views of what happens when you till the soil uh, across the board, the whole Northern hemisphere and in uh, April just has so much CO2 in it. And, um, and then in June, when all the tillage is stopped and the plants are growing, how much that just goes away. And uh, if we just stop tilling the soil, that'd be very, very important. Um, do what you can, uh, take a little patch in your backyard, take a 10 by 10, do a little bit of regenerative farming. It, it's, it's the best thing that we can do. Yeah, I wish, I wish we had some daylight um, because we could totally give you a tour of our, our little spot and, and the garden. We, we have a little vegetable garden. Well, we, I, I like to eat really spicy peppers. So I got a bunch of hot peppers out there and some kale and tomatoes and like sweet peppers and poblanos. And it, it's, it's it, I don't know, it just, it grows really well the way we're doing it, especially this regenerative way it's a, you know, no bottled nutrients, big giant fruits, um, real tasty. And I'm, I'm sure it's all super good for us. Oh, one thing that we didn't mention was um, how we mineralize our, 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 our fields. We actually use um, this really neat product. We've been using it for, for a very long time. It's, it's a, a volcanic rock dust called Tephra. It, we'll, we'll have it available on our, our website soon, but it's, we've been sending samples to people um, that have been ordering bottles from us, um, you know, commuting, communicating with us on, on Instagram and sharing with us what they're doing. And um, we'll send them stuff to, to, to see and try out. Um, uh, you know, th this, this mineral is, is really, it's water, it's almost water soluble. You can put it in water and it clouds the water up. So we use it when we're brewing our teas, we'll spray it out on, on, on our fields um, every, every few weeks, uh, just to make sure that, that microbiology has something that we want. It's more its own about the actual structure of the... Oh, what's cool about it is under an electron microscope, the, the structure of, of it's very porous. So for, for people that are, are using like biochar to, to achieve that, that surface area um, for their microbes to live in, uh, this will be a direct replacement. So it's not going to pull nitrogen out to, to make it happen. It's, it's actually really neat stuff. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're kind of going in a bunch of different directions. <laughs> we got a lot of rabbit holes that we can we can dive into. 
but that's what's beautiful about growing plants you know there's so many there's so many things about about it that that you can go down and we're still just barely t touching the tip of the iceberg it's nature there's a thing you know nature is earth's highest technology and we're just barely barely touching it we, we don't even understand half of what's going on Got a, a question from Chad is um, uh, what made you decide to start or to um, start your products with um, comfrey over other plants? Well, I, well, so we started the company because we've been using the comfrey for a very long time. Um, I, I don't remember where it's been that long, uh, but I've been growing comfrey since I think 2011, 2012. And, and um, I don't know if you want to say, share the background of how we actually started. I can, I can give you what, where I started. Um, I was actually like really into worms. I, I thought worms were super cool and I was into uh, composting and everything. And uh, uh, we've been friends for about 20 years, um, but for a while we were separated from Northern and Southern California. So we, we just had a lot of phone time. We were, we were, uh, floating a lot of ideas back and forth. And, um, I started, I started growing, uh, cannabis for patients. Um, I had, had a couple of, uh, cancer patients and I had uh, a man who was paralyzed because he was shot in the spine, um, a home invasion. It, it was ridiculous. Um, so I wanted to, to grow the cleanest, uh, plants that I possibly could for these people. Uh, so I got very into organic growing, um, and, and I was getting very into compost and, and he was telling me, you got to grow comfort. You got to grow comfort. And I, I, I just got sick of him saying it. So <laughs> I, I ordered some comfort and I planted 16 plants and they took off. They, 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 they went crazy in our, in our backyard and, uh, worms loved them. Um, and I started just, uh, just adding it to everything that I was growing. Um, I had, I had huge vats of, of stuff that I was starting to make um, ferments and stuff in. Uh, my wife hated it because it smells less than fantastic, um, but it made everything me. grow. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, affectionately, all of our uh, all of our diehard uh, uh, clients they uh, they call it zoo ass. So um, shout out to the whole zoo ass crew. Zoo ass crew represent. Um, but <laughs> you know who you are yeah. <laughs> but, but but my wife is so mad i would come in stinky fingers and just head to toe disgusting um but it it, it did so much good for the plant and um it, you know if you want to talk about yield that's one thing but if you want to talk about the the um the health of the plant that's another and uh if you have really really healthy plants they're going to yield um as as a good byproduct of that my, my whole point was I wanted the healthiest plants possible so that the patients that I was giving it to were getting the best medicine that they possibly could. Um, uh, it's very, very important to me. So this, this whole journey for me started off in that. And I was, I was writing on a lot of the information that he already had and he was willing to bestow upon me. I, I'm forever thankful for that. But to answer the viewer's question is why, you know, why we decided on Confrey is, is um, 
you know, the, the amino acid content and, and the fact that it's able to reach so deep and, and bring minerals up from, from places that, that most plants, like I mentioned earlier, that they can't just get to. It's, it's, it's got a really broad spectrum of trace elements. Um, and it's also reported to be one of the um, plant sources that have uh, vitamin B12. Um, it's not a lot, but I mean, that's something. Um, it's got a bunch of other vitamins in it as well, but it's it's almost like a complete package. It, I, 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 there's other plants like like nettle. There's a, a bunch of other plants that we could play with, and, and they would work great. It's it's just the, the amino acid content alone in comfrey is is the highest of of, of what I've seen out there. And it grows well um, in 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 this location, and uh, and it, it's working great for 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 the people that. You know, for all our customers, it's, it's been working great for us. But you know, we, we want to share it with everybody. We want other people to share our success in the gardens. So, uh, anybody who's flirted with um, veganism will find it really, really hard to find uh, natural sources, plant-based sources of vitamin B12. So that that Confrey makes um, a, a pretty large amount for uh, for it being plant-based um, is pretty big. It's a pretty big deal. Um, I I guess we can't tell anybody to eat it. I I'm not going to tell you not to eat it, but some people say just don't not, eat it every day. Just <laughs> in small doses. It won't, uh, it won't hurt if you eat it. No, uh, you can you can take a shot of the of the comfrey if you like. Um, well, you probably doesn't uh, wouldn't smell appetizing. <laughs> well, the thing is that. I think it was that the FDA made it illegal because uh, there were there were studies that were um, looking at using it as a forage crop for for animals like pigs and whatnot. So what they do is they just that's all they fed it all day long. And it, in history, uh, it it's a medicine. So I mean, if you did that with cough syrup, probably that's like the 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 <laughs> cannabis smoke kills brain cells. Well, yeah. If I put a gas mask on a monkey and I pump nothing but smoke at his face for 10 straight minutes, of course he's going to have dead brain cells. Anything that you starve of oxygen will have dead brain cells. That doesn't like, it doesn't matter if it's a weed smoke or tobacco smoke or just not smoke, just just a bag over his head. It's just not going to work, right? Like, just, yeah. yeah. So, when you when you structure the the test to get the result you want, you know, you can get anything. You can get the you know the sun to be dark all the time. You know, well, yeah. If you took it between the hours of nine p.m. and three a.m. for your observations, of course, yeah, you'd never see the sun, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, and that's it's exactly. Um, what somebody said was just to look at them, like, you know, follow the money trail to see who funded the study and, and, and look there. And then, then you'll find what is it, you know, you never know, but they've been using comfrey. They've been growing comfrey, like 400 BC when, when they were starting to use it. And um, the Greeks and the, and the, um, the Greeks were using it um, to fix their wounds after battle. The, the comfrey plant's got a nickname called Knitbone. Um, and this is interesting because there was a TED talk I watched about a lady who stepped on a sea urchin <clears throat> who broke her ankle years after this piece of sea urchin was like lodged in her heel that, that the surgeons couldn't get this thing out. When she broke her ankle, um, 
when they went back for the x-ray, the piece of sea urchin was gone. And I think the way our bodies work is that when we need, just like plants, when we need a certain mineral, it starts looking for it. If we're not getting it in our diet, it's gonna start pulling it from somewhere in our body. And um, so this kind of like connected a few dots with why they called this knit foam. They would make these, these poultices, these, these <clears throat> creams or things that they would pack onto the, onto the skin or wrap the leaf around your, your broken bone. And um, I'm just gonna imagine that the, uh, the amino acids that, that, that are available were, were passing through the cell walls and, and the calcium, for example, was just passing right through the skin and it fixes the bone. There's, um, there's a healing element in a uh, conference called the Lantuan. Um, and I've, I've, been a, uh, I've been a mechanic, automotive technician uh, for the last 23 years. Uh, so I have lower back problems. So I'll actually take the really young leaves that have the higher concentration of the Lantuan, uh, dry them, uh, infuse olive oil with it, and actually rub it on my back, and it helps a lot. Um, you can mix it with some other uh, plant medicines as you see fit, um, and that will create a synergistic effect that uh, that's very nice. Um, uh, that and uh, a couple of different essential oils, and it, it, it's a great plant. It's a it's a really really good plant. Uh, we we just gave some to one of our neighbors who had um, he had broken broken his arm. We gave him some of that. He he loves it. He keeps on coming back for more. Awesome. Um, well, let's look and see what other questions we have in from chat. Is, uh, is the primary mode that comfrey benefits? Is there a primary mode that comfrey benefits plants? Uh, is it more micronutrients and enzymes, or uh, is there something else to it? Are we talking feeding it to the plant roots or foliar? Um, well, yeah, both. 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 Um, and I, I would have to say yes to everything. It, I, I would say that if you're using it alongside um, a, a mineral salt or synthetic nutrient mineral salts, um, it would help with the uptake of, of those as well. So you don't have to use as much. Um, we're, we're testing, we, we just transplanted a bunch of pepper plants that, that we, we left in these small pots on purpose to, to beat them up a little bit so that they're not the healthiest. So we're, we're starting some, some tests on what it would be like to fertilize with, with the confrey solely, um, to use it with a mineral salt and to, to see what it would be with just uh, earthworm castings and, and traditional, traditional um, organic inputs. Um, but as far as what, what mode the way that these amino acids work is they just pass, they're able to pass through the cell walls and bring the mineral with it. Um, you know, and it's not just calcium, there's magnesium chelates, there's uh, a molybdenum, all, or boron, any of these trace minerals in, 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 in the smallest amounts, the fact that your plant's able to access them gives your, gives your plant the, 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 the best chance at being able to produce and, 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 and create biomass.
Awesome. Yeah, they, uh, I didn't know that there was molybdenum chelators and magnesium chelators in there. Uh, I know people are often looking for those two specifically, magnesium to help transport nutrients around the plant and molybdenum also to um, uh, help with those fall colors that we love so much in our plants. Yeah, no, and, and it, you know, we, we, there, there, there's, we always, I'm, I'm always reading. So there's a lot of research. There was a pepper, um, a pepper paper a tongue twister <laughs> a white paper on peppers um where they were growing with um synthetic amino chelates okay not uh, they weren't using comfort but it was uh, synthetic amino chelates and they were saying that you know the, the the plants that were treated with the minerals and the chelates together showed um more branching and and, and more bud set more fruits on the plants and more leaves um by an order of 40 or 40 or 50 percent greater than, than the control. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry, not greater than the control. It was 100% greater than the control. It was 40 or 50% greater than, than one or the other, just the aminos by itself or the minerals by itself. As, as an example, you had that buddy that sprayed on his tree that hadn't... Oh, yeah, we had a guy. Oh, so one of our friends in San Diego grows passion fruit. He had this passion fruit tree growing in his backyard for, for several years. Um, and so I was out there visiting him and uh, I, we uh, dropped off a bottle uh, for him to try. And he, he shot it all over his garden. He has watermelons. But this passion fruit, it, it was a big plant. Um, it's a vine, I believe. It, it, it grew pretty big. And he said for two years, it wasn't, wasn't producing any fruit. He shot this and in two weeks, he had flowers everywhere. Uh, it's not a miracle thing, but it's like if your plant's missing something, this is going to fill that gap. There's a, an illustration called, um, well, there's a, there's a law, Liebig's uh, Law of the Minimum, and it's a picture of, uh, can we screen share? Or is it just easier to just pull it up and show people? <laughs> Sorry. I'm not sure. Actually, let me, let me find it, it up. and you tell me. So, so Liebig's Law of the Minimum is that the, um, your, your plant's only able to go as fast as what it's got the, the least of. So if it's missing something, it's only gonna, that, that's the potential, that's the line. So it's, it's a picture of a barrel and it's got pieces of the barrel missing and it's only holding so much water. So what, what this does is it actually makes the pieces all complete. So you're able to, the plant's able to hold more water, it's able to, to do what it needs to do. Um, if anybody out there is, is, is growing with, uh, with um, light, lighting, um, one of my other things too is, uh, you know, I design LED lights and do help research with the Comiflex research. So here, here's the picture. Um, it, the conference has been definitely very helpful with uh, photosynthetic efficiency. So this picture here, um, it's on our feed and it shows a, a barrel and it's got pieces of uh, elements missing from it. Um, and your plant's only able to produce, uh, you know, if, if all of those things, it's, it's only going to see its genetic potential if everything's topped off. So, um, yeah, it's called Liebig's Law of the Minimum. Very much like uh, your, your team is only as, as good as your weakest link. You know, your, your, your plant's only going to grow as good as its weakest. So when, when, when we were listening to your, your, um, your conference last, last week, um, you were talking about uh, deficiencies in, in aquaponic uh, in plants that were grown up chronically, and 
was one of the the ones uh, iron is that one of the the, the yeah, so so iron and aquaponics chelates are the unless you have it chelated it oxidizes um, because of the the free available oxygen uh, has a hard time staying in that fe2 state and wants to constantly go back to that fe3 state um, because of all the available rust, oxygen. right yeah, which and because of all the available oxygen in the water, you know, the water being H2O, right? So um, there's quite a bit of oxygen around, uh, uh, and all the other microbial processes, uh, you know, putting out oxygen into the water and, and things like that. So um, uh, over time, that gets depleted over time, yes. Okay, so that's this, there's definitely iron chelates in in, in comfrey. Uh, comfrey's, comfrey's got a bunch of those. We're, we're, we're setting up a small. Uh, so I have an aquaponics um, system. I bought the show model when I first discovered aquaponics, and I can't remember what year this was. Um, but it was aquaponics source had those those terracotta looking. I think it's aquaponics source. I know. Bed I, with a sixty gallon deal. I, I helped make the jig for those, and yeah, I know exactly. Ah, what you're that, so, so so yeah, they did a show. It was a a grow show in L.A. And um, I was walking around and I saw this thing and I've never seen aquaponics, never, you know, they had some goldfish in there and some store-bought plants, because, you know, it was a show, but it blew my mind. And I ended up making a deal with them so they didn't have to ship it back. Uh, I bought it and it's, it's still running. <laughs> we grow all kinds of uh, vegetables and, and stuff in it. Um, it's not here. It's, it's in Southern California because it was a lot to move. So we just left it where it was and it's still going. But, um, but we're building a small one here to grow kale and um, leafy greens uh, just because I miss, I'm, you, you actually, like, like listening to your show got me pumped back up. <laughs> so. Uh, so we had another question from chat was, um, so our amino acids like proteins is come. That's from Hello. somebody in chat. Oh, can you hear oh, me? Oh, our amino acids. Uh, part of the part of that the, the chelate is is a protein. Um, amino acid proteins. They, they they the proteins are, are 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 they're used to make the proteins when they when they turn into chains, um, long chains. Um, but yeah, the, the plant uses the whole the whole molecule. So it's, 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 that's, uh, let's say what, 25% comfrey, it's, it's this thing incredibly high in protein. 25%, I think the, the, the comfrey that we grow is like up to 25% protein. There's a chart that I'm working on um, that actually has a breakdown. It'll be available, it should be up on our website by this weekend. Um, we're trying to have it up tonight, but um, there's, there's just so much information to cover, but as far as the different amino acids and, and the, the protein contents of each particular one, there's like 20, 22, 20 something aminos. And yeah, they're all, they're all pretty much proteins. It, it depends on how you're looking at it, I guess. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, a chemist. Well, it's like, <laughs> it's like you know, you know, it's just kind of how like technically cannabinoids under some definitions are also you know are, are just longer terpene chains right so it's just like it, you know you can get into the whole terpenes versus flavonoids versus uh, cannabinoids and it's like well 
they're all kind of basically the same shit. They're just different lengths, right? So it's like we're just classifying them based on length. So it's just, you know, you, there's always these different weird ways that you can kind of strangely classify things to to get different things. I don't like how they do with pest management, like different insects are, they're not all, you know, they're all insects, but they're different. But, um, okay. but yeah, a long, short answer would be uh, the, the organic um, aminos, um, or protein source through your plant that utilizes them, utilizes the whole molecule. That's that's the important thing. It's, it's it's not EDTA. It's not synthetic. It's not made by man. So the plant recognizes it and, and uses it. It's like the Matrix. You ever watch that movie? Oh yeah. We were Just to know something's up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe. It made me think of the whole like liquid human food being fed back to the people, and then immediately immediately made me think of the whole uh, the HAA that we were talking about during the conference with, with Breeder Steve about uh, <laughs> the human amino acid. Human <laughs> amino acids. Yeah. Yeah. Meat, meat proteins. Um, Give it back, right? Give it back to the yeah. earth. It's it's, <laughs> it's a circle. <laughs> I hope we're we're answering your viewers' questions. Um, like, I hope they're satisfied with our, our I mean, they, feel free to keep asking away. If we're not answering your question, let we us have, know. We, we have another question. Is Have you tried fermenting horsetail? I hear it's high in silica. No, I just, uh, I just listened to a, a podcast where they said that um, horsetail was very, very high in uh, heavy metals. And, uh, yes, and so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to stick away from, uh, I think it, was it was this guy. guy. <laughs> it was this guy right here. He said nothing with horsetail, so we're not going to do anything with horsetail. Well, we're doing that. You can, you can do horsetail. You can do horsetail, but you have to a have a good source where you know you're not going to have any chance of bioaccumulating too much metals, and then b if you overdo it, you kind of negatively impact the plant's ability to absorb vitamin B. If you go so, totally so, nuts with it. Wow, that's that's really that's really interesting. Yeah. So um. So so, so what, what we found. And I did a bunch of testing. I'm working on a book and we we're working on a bunch of different fermented inputs for, for aquaponics and stuff like that. Um, and one of the things that we found was sting, uh, stinging nettle actually is a way better source of, of silica if you're looking for a fermented uh, input uh, in terms of, um, you know, uh, gram for gram. Yeah, we, we had a small patch um, uh, at a, at a there's a, there a koi pond that, um, that uh, my, my girlfriend's brother uh, has and I was looking at the fish and I brushed up against something and it started like irritating my leg. And I looked down and I was like, oh my God, it's nettle. So I brought some back. It's when I was still living in San Diego and we brought some back and we grew some and we incorporated it into the worm. But we didn't ferment it, but um, we put it in the worm bin. And, um, yeah, it, it that stuff worked. worked great. Oh yeah. We just need to source an area where my daughter's not going to get into it. Uh, we, we don't want to introduce her into gardening that way um so so as soon as we have that that area uh located we'll we'll get into that you, yeah. you put that you put that around where the pot plants are so the kids are just have no reason to want to go over there <laughs> absolutely yeah but then how do you uh, you just gotta wear boots <laughs> <laughs> this guy likes to run around barefoot in the in, in the garden so that, that might inhibit his uh hippiness it, oh yeah, you know, I, I stopped doing that after being in Zimbabwe, where we had eighteen different venomous snakes to worry about. Yeah, that doesn't sound oh, fun at all. Yeah.
Yeah, they said something about the stinging nettles good for um for arthritis. Uh, I had a, a neighbor that would that would take it and put it on his wrist and make it sting, and it would bring the it would make the pain go away. Oh yeah, it'll help with um if you have like uh, knots and stuff in your 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 muscles and, and things like that. It helps increase blood flow to the area. So it'll help break Oh really? Interesting. Going on. Oh yeah. It's kind of like acupuncture. That's cool. That's yeah. very, very cool. So oh, that's good to know. Actually, that, that answers one of the questions that I had for you. <laughs> Cross that off the list. No, that I'm just gonna put it on there. I have more. I have more. Oh, okay. But um yeah, uh yeah. Oh well, I'm sorry, I totally I don't know if we answered the the, the, the viewer's question. Oh well, I think we did. Horse tail. Well, uh, no, we don't mess with horse tail. No, oh no. yeah. So one of the one of the things um that that concerns a lot of medical users also is is um heavy metal content and um there's something that we're, we're testing right now are you familiar with zeolite that's good stuff i know you probably yeah about it yes no i'm familiar with zeolite yeah okay and what it does for heavy metals oh uh, you why don't, why don't you tell people Oh, okay. I'm just curious. I don't know if there's something that we're allowed to talk about. Oh, no, about, no, no. But... You're fine. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so we're, we use we use zeolite. Um, it's something that we're going to have available on our, our site shortly as well. Um, but but zeolite's um, another cool mineral. Uh, it's created when uh, the, the volcanoes meet the, the water, um, salt water, and it creates this, this mineral called zeolite. What it's good at is it's it's good at holding on to these heavy metals and 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 making them um, unavailable to your plants. So we use that in um, in in all all our soil. Uh, we sprinkle a little bit of that um, every also time. Also, good. Uh, your your mycorrhizal fungi will help make the silica in it available as well. Oh, that's right. That's very cool. Silica, mycorrhizal. Yeah, I mean, see, that's the thing. You know, I it. It's it's neat to be alive in a time where where we could do this openly and discuss these little nerd out on stupid little things like this. Yeah, silica mycorrhiza. Yeah. I, you know, it, when we first started, this was all hush hush. Nobody wanted to talk about Grow Club, and man, look at nobody me. talks about Grow Club. Now everybody wants to talk about Grow Club, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So make that first rule disappear. Yeah. Um, a yeah, the, uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, what I was gonna say is uh, we just put a feature on our site um, where 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 customers can subscribe, and this is gonna be something where um, we'll be doing small batch ferments with a bunch of things that we've tested and liked. Um, and uh, we'll make it available to our subscribers exclusively, uh, you know, as part of their packages. Um, we, we haven't, um, there's only a handful of things that we have now, but we've been sort of just doing that to our, our inner circle of first adopters, uh, our customers that, that found us on, on Instagram. And, you know, we created these cool relationships with them. So we've been sending them things like, like cover crop, you know, something that we're using on our fields we'll buy a big bag and share it with people and see what they, they, you know, what, how they uh, interact with the product. 
um, what it does for them, get a little bit of feedback. So uh, things that we're going to be doing is uh, fermenting certain certain plants, like the like the nettle. Um, we're going to be growing some alfalfa, and uh, we're already growing water hyacinth. So there's a lot of neat craft ferments that we're we're we're, we're going to be bringing out um, through our subscription. Um, but yeah, feel free to reach out if if you, you're curious. Um, we're not just fermenting concrete; we're expanding and, and trying different things, and we're always we're always down to learn. We have we have a veg formula that's in its um, in its third iteration, um, and it's going pretty well. Um, so hopefully sooner than later, that available as well, all fermented uh, plant material. Well, that's really cool. a, lot of, a lot of people are looking for those types of options and an all-in-one that's really awesome yeah well that and um you know once we get our our little patch of nettle like you know that'd be something good to have in there as well we you know we're always we're always making things as as as, we, as it goes the best version of, of what it can be yeah so. we want to stay as dynamic as possible we don't want to we don't want to uh claim our stake our claim and stick there we we, we want to change and and um and give the best things possible so evolve as as the information becomes available to us awesome yeah and there's it's it's really cool to see you know the industry in general in terms of plant food moving in this direction it's you know you don't see a lot of people like yourselves really willing to go out there and develop the products and register them in all the different states you know i've helped work with the uh, key to life nutrients and uh with true uh true uh true aquaponics and with um aquaponic source or and all those have done different nutrient development and some other companies i've worked with as well have done you know nutrient development and stuff like that and people don't realize how much work it can take and dealing with different state governments and in country governments and their different ag departments and the different things they this come you know group wants this test and this group wants this test and you know it's it's not an easy process so it's cool to see you guys out there and doing that hard work well we grind every day man <laughs> So, and we, we know the, the, the secret though, is that you got to love it. Yeah. You know, if you don't love what you do, um, it's hard to do, do it well. Man, um, I, I wake up in the morning, I go, I work on cars. I come home. I, I get to hang out with my wife and my daughter. I know my wife's watching this right now. I love you. Feed the dog. Um, <laughs> And I get to come and hang out with him and uh, and play with plants and um, and play with ferments and stuff. Um, there, there, I don't have much time in my life for anything else, but I'm passionate about this. I love this. Um, I I wouldn't give it up for anything, except for if my wife says she won't feed the dog. Then we'll have to talk about it. I just yeah, do what I, I do and get uh, get one of those big auto feeding things, so we just you know, <laughs> fill it up like once, twice a week. You, you know it's a wolf can get his own food out there <laughs> yeah or he can just hunt something in, in the yard yeah um i i wanted to ask you about um when because i i remember when aquaponics and cannabis first came on the scene social media wasn't a thing it was forums and I remember seeing, because I, I was curious, I had this aquaponics thing going in the backyard and, you know, all my contemporaries, I was still new at growing at the time. 
um, you know, I was making worms and, and growing and I had a little cannabis grow, but, but nothing epic. But all my contemporaries were growing with heavy 16 or um, GH, things that came in bottles or, or, or uh, what was the other one? Jax, it was like a powder or grow more. It was like a powder. You know, it was all these MPK numbers. And they were all telling me that you can't do aquaponics and cannabis, but you guys have definitely proved that you can. So, you know, what, when did you start discovering, like, like <laughs> when did you start experiment? Yes, yeah, sir. As proof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when did, yeah, like, I mean, tell me about, tell us about what, when you first oh, so saw it and we're like hey we could do this so i first started doing aquaponic cannabis we were doing it with using fish waste back when i worked at the pet trade and uh allegedly um and uh we had access to all this fish. knock it off we had access to all this fish waste <laughs> you, know, you know my cat's being obnoxious not the dog anyways uh, <laughs> uh anyway so working in the pet trade we had access to all this fish waste uh, and we were, you know, allegedly also growing plants as well in different places uh, in the area. So California tomatoes, right? Um, so, yeah. So, so we were, had access to all this. So we just thought, hey, you know what? This is like manure, right? And we have all of this you know, easy access to it. Let's try it. So we did a little bit of screwing around with that. And then I worked for some other places doing agriculture. And then when I moved out to the West Coast, uh, I worked for uh, uh, in the in the industry uh, in Colorado, uh, and uh, moved out west in 2010 or 2011. I don't remember the exact year off the top of my head. Um, I've had a, a couple of edibles today too because uh, I'm a bit of pain. So, um, <laughs> and uh, I moved out there, and then um, uh, got involved uh, in the industry. And then in 2012, I believe it was the floods happened, and. Uh, uh, lost my job because of the floods and um, I ended up uh, working at the aquaponics source and getting a job there and um, from there they were about two weeks after I started there they had a company meeting and and Sylvia was like do we we want to do aquaponic cannabis and we want to you know try and and develop some some you know products around that and, and whatever and I thought they, this is a setup right like I've been here for two weeks like they're going to ask to do a dreadlocks like this is like to see if they're going to fire me, right? If I say yes, they're going to do So I played stupid. And and at the end of the meeting, she was like, okay, well, I guess we'll have to go find somebody. Like, what's what kind of, let's work on an ad. And all. I was like, oh, no, you're serious. Okay. So, <laughs> so then I started working with her. And, and me, so me and Robbie there ended up uh, developing a greenhouse over at his house, who was one of the other guys that worked there. And we worked on the project. And it took us three or four runs until we could match soil. And we didn't, you know, we were growing aquaponic cannabis and there's other people and companies out there that are growing aquaponic cannabis. And they're like, oh, we're successful. But it's like, it, until you can match that soil level and the match that current commercial production that people are getting with like cocoa and and running, you know, canna part A, part B and, and that simple kind of mass production. If you're not matching that production numbers in those times, you're not there yet in terms of trying to sell this as a commercially viable solution. You know, you have people that, that they need to see those numbers match to consider it as a, at all. In fact, almost every client I've ever worked with wants to see that, right? 
So um, uh, it, it just has to be that way. So it took us about four runs and it wasn't until we started doing what the, the dual root zone setups where we could have more, more control and more ability to adjust it. Um, you can absolutely grow stuff to term without growing it in dual root zone, but you're not going to get the yields. Um, we have a bunch of side, but I have a bunch of side by side slides we'll be doing in the um, uh, Agapon Association conference uh, presentation where we talk, we'll be showing both DWC dual root zone with and without supplementation. We'll be showing media beds with and without supplementation. We'll be showing dual root zone versus non dual root zone sub, uh, uh, and what that looked like and a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, it'll be a really good uh, presentation on that. But um, it just gives you the control really to, to, uh, to boost things and, and to add things. And also um, the increase in microbials also increase your, your terpene levels and flavonoid levels, which increase your mold resistance and your, your other things. So and we've also noticed that it, you know an increase in fertility in terms of actual uh, pollination and how many seeds make it to term and uh, total seed count. So it really has a, a bunch of different beneficial effects, not just you know stuff that that's easy to see off the bat. You know, a lot of stuff is a little bit more data heavy. So um, uh, lost my train of thought on that. On well, you you mentioned uh, um, you mentioned oh, levels. Uh, I remember. So it was just, uh, so that was when we started doing it. And then we got into fruit trees and we got into cranking, you know, we were growing four, four we were getting four and five production uh, times out of citrus trees and, and two production times out a year out of the avocados and three times a year out of the peaches and, and like just getting these plants to do like crazy stuff that is not possible outside in soil at all. Right. So if we're going to talk so about justifying, this kind of stuff, have, having a space where you can just play and tinker and set up a dual root zone pot next to a 55 gallon drum on a flood and drain timer, right? Like, and like, like there's all kinds of weird stuff just to see what happens and, and to, to learn and, and to learn what doesn't work and to see how things fail. And, and that's when we got into, uh, I, that was one of, the, one of the ways when I started getting into learning about Elaine Ingham's work and, and some of the stuff with the soil, the soil complexity and then, and then getting into, um, you know, with Josh Rutherford and, and Layton and, and Dragonfly Earth Medicine and, and all the other wonderful people that helped do the, um, the regenerative conference, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, as a whole group of people there that, that, that all talk about the soil science and then started combining a lot of that. Uh, um, and Chris Trump's ideas with the, with uh, uh, indigenous microorganisms and adding those to mineralization with aquaponics and, and really unlocking significantly more um, bioavailable nutrients and unlocking a lot more actually testable parts per million from our fish waste using, you know, simply by changing the microbial inputs or, or adding microbial inputs. You know, you hear a lot in aquaponics where people talk about, oh, nitrosoma to nitrospira for ammonia to nitrite to nitrate. And that's cool, but there's 18 to 20 other plant essential nutrients that have their own microbial chains. Some of them is as simple as, as A to B. Some of them are A to B to C to D to E to F to G to H to I, and then back to B and then back, you know, and jumping around before they actually convert to something that's plant usable. Some of them have to, you know, some of these have very complex chains. And if you don't have the, you know, it can take you a year to magically get them from who the hell knows where that you you gradually end up doing from the airborne mar you know dust particles and wherever else or you can inoculate them by just combining some of the methodology from the, the wonderful knowledge that our soil friends uh, uh, have and, and, and have accumulated and, and applying some of those uh, uh, methodologies to uh, aquatic environments and creating aquatic soil that way, uh, or something that you know microbially resembles uh, more of an aquatic soil and not necessarily a hydroponic solution. 
um, because of the diversity. Um, in fact, um, NASA did a study, and this was a, 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 at the Aquaponics Association conference that I first heard about this study a couple of years ago on uh, comparing biodiversity in terms of number of microbial species. And they found it was 168% more uh, uh, in aquaponics uh, compared to soil. Uh, they also found that six, uh, was it seventy-six percent of the microbes can also live happily between your soil and your water, right? So, um, if your plants are, um, uh, uh, you know, healthy and there's microbes that live in the soil garden, seventy-eight percent of them uh, can, seventy-six uh, percent of them can live in your uh, garden or in your aquaponic system, and vice versa. So, your aquatic microbes from your fish waste can help your soil garden, your soil microbes can help your aquatic garden, um, you know, at least three quarters of them roughly. In, in that case, should, should you foliar with like the, the fish water? Um, you, you can, uh, we generally don't recommend it just because of the chance of E. coli uh, or salmonella or some other thing that might accidentally fail you for state testing because most states have, have pathogen or, or plate count based state testing. It's not as, as accurate as we wish it was. Um, that's where something like adding a little bit of a, a lactobacillus inoculant um, to your system can help you know, outcompete and consume E. coli. Uh, lactobacillus, we've actually used uh, lactobacillus ferments to treat two separate commercial systems that tested hot for uh, non-human pathogenic E. coli, uh, where they were failing uh, E. coli testing. Not that it was a danger, but it, it caused, you know, it, 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 it will cause your, your tests to fail. So yeah, it'll flag you, yeah. So, so we managed to use lactobacillus dosing over two weeks of treatment to, to eliminate that. So uh, that's really cool, man. Yeah, our, our ferments, that's, we, we, we use uh, um, different strains of lactobacillus to, to ferment our, our comfrey to, to actually for that, we, we don't want to grow pathogenic organisms. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of lactobacillus in, in, our, in our ferments. Oh, uh, there's a, a comment in chat. Somebody says, Steve once said molybdenum paired with anthocyanin is great for making a purple plant. Um, anthocyanin actually is a compound that makes the plant purple. Um, uh, that molybdenum is, is the number one micronutrient for the ends for producing the enzymes to create that. Uh, and and the, one of the most limiting micronutrients if, you, if, if it's not found. Um, also, if you have excess molybdenum, the plant will actually produce extra anthocyanin to bind up that molybdenum and prevent it from becoming toxic. So it will actually use that as a binder um, to help drop it out of its own bloodstream. Or, you know, I'm simplifying that, but, you know, no, that's actually me. I, I, I never really heard of that. Our, my experience with uh, anthocyanins is um, when we were doing our light research and um, you know, high intensity blue light and frequencies closer to the UV um, would oh, yeah. uh, be sunburns. We had, we had, I think on my feed, the attack of the grow, we have like plants that aren't known to express purple, like OGs that. Um, you know, there's certain OGs out there that aren't supposed to turn purple um, unless you've got a watered down cut. <laughs> I don't know what I was, I was growing uh, Tahoe. Or yeah. But it showed purple and, and, and when you removed it, it was green underneath and it was because of the intensity of light that we were using. Yeah, molyb molybdenum is one of those ones where I think that has been, in my opinion, traditionally taught completely wrong, at least for cannabis mm -hmm. growers. One, cannabis doesn't really like nitrate versus ammonia. 
And it absolutely has to have molybdenum in order to convert that from nitrate back to ammonia to have a usable form of nitrogen or you know, much more usable form of nitrogen for the plant. Well, in aquaponics, nitrates are our main nitrogen source because of the nitrification process and making it less uh, fish lethal. Right, so that that's a huge problem. So, and, and and you see this sometimes where you have people that are heavily feeding their fish in, in lettuce systems or cannabis systems. They're just feeding, 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 trying to boost the nutrients. Maybe they have a lot of flowering plants. Maybe they just don't know what they're doing. Um, and and they'll, they'll actually strip the molybdenum completely out of the system because the plants are running at like 160 parts per million nitrates, and they're desperately trying to convert that nitrate back to ammonia, and they end up depleting the molybdenum entirely and then the plants start showing night they'll be like 160 ppms nitrates like two parts per million ammonia and the plants show nitrogen deficiency right wow. because they can't absorb it i've so, seen that a couple of times i wonder if so there was a couple of papers that i was i was uh, looking over where they talk about how um, back to the amino acids, how they, they're able to chelate and, and, and keep certain um, minerals from interacting. And I wonder if that's, that's something in, 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 in uh, you know, with the, with the organic amino chelates, if that's something that might help that situation. Yeah, I mean, if it's found in a non-plant available form, absolutely. You know, you're, you're not going to create something that's not there unless you have a philosopher's stone. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you can convert it from a, a useful form for, or from a non-useful form. Okay. No, my cat is insisting on being on the show. Hold on. Oh, it's all right. We'd like a cameo. Yes. This is, this is want to be on the show right now? Right now. Yes, this is Killer the Cat since he's insisting hey, on hey, meowing hey. and being a pain in the ass. What's that? <laughs> uh, all kitties are welcome. Oh, yes. So awesome. I was going to, I was going to go back to lactobacillus, but you, you sounded like you were on a roll. No, no. It was just a, a random question and chat about uh, anthocyanin and molybdenum clarity. Yeah. Uh, I've got a, um, when you were on the podcast, you were, uh, you were discussing lactobacillus and foliar in flower and you said that it was uh, negatively affecting the trichomes. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you, I, I went to, to, to try to figure it out and try to research it, I couldn't find anything on that. So what exactly mm -hmm. is the lactobacillus doing to the trichomes? Yeah, so there's a couple of problems. So one, lactobacillus is super acidic. So you can literally like partially dissolve down, you know, part of your trichome, you know, just through it being so low pH wise. Mm -hmm. It's not good for those trichome crystal structures. Um, and, and trying to keep them, you know, it makes them fragile or dissolves them or just, it's not good, right? Um, yep. Two, yep. Uh, it'll make you test hot for plate count. And three, um, uh, it just, it, it has a negative impact on some of your terpene and cannabinoid production. Um, so you don't want to use labs as a foliar pest. I don't like doing it after about week one of flower. Some of my friends use it in week two of flower, but not after that. Unless now, if I have a powdery mildew outbreak and I'm and I'm, I'm trying to save the crop, yeah, it's fine because that's you know my alternative is losing the plants, right? So that's a different scenario. But if it's not that scenario, and I'm and you know, well, first off, that wouldn't even be my go-to. I would use Bactillus pomilus or Bactillus subtilis, probably a rotation of those two. Um, uh, and then maybe a labs as a last resort. And then if that didn't work, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. There's some other options that you can consider, but. <laughs> Fair enough. Awesome. And then um, 
you were also talking about the uh, the IMO that you were making from the 30% insect frass and the 70% yep. uh, rice. So um, questions on that. When you're spraying that on on the actual plant itself, is it is it killing insects on contact or is it after it's consumed? No. So it was, I, I haven't seen any of it kill it on contact. It's like you're infecting them with like a zombie virus, right? So like you're, 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 it's like they got bit by the virus once you sprayed them and you're just watching them turn into a zombie, right? So, so once they're infected uh, with the microbes or they breathe those spores in, or, you know, depending on the species of microbe that it is, then it's going to start breaking them down or infecting them and killing them that way or eating away at their skeleton, depending on which microbe it is that they, they end up in contact with. Um, so that, that's, that that's really the idea is is that you're you're collecting you're using your target insect plus insect frass or just insect frass if you don't have you know if you're you don't have the luxury of collecting enough of your target insect uh, and then um, adding that to the rice when, when you make your IMO one uh, you're cooking it and then and, and basically getting that 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 um, um, uh, what the heck is it called I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to say the Morrow inversion, um, but the the Shatan uh, or the what's the other name for it? Someone help me out here. Oh, chitin. Chitin. Yeah. So you're 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 helping get that chitin mixed in with the rice, so that you have the these microbes that feed on their exoskeletons in nature in that area, and even ones that specifically feed on those insects that you're trying to target, ideally. Uh, if you can add some of those to the mix, so you're you're gathering those from your property, uh, and then you're, you're you're allowing them to propagate in that mixture, and then taking that, converting it into uh, IMO two, uh, and, and then you converting that into liquid IMO. Um, I don't like converting it to IMO three and IMO four because you can lose those uh, insect feeding microbes. Because if there's unless you're adding more insect frass and more insects to that, the entire chain, you don't they don't necessarily have a food source, right? And then they can be consumed by some of your other IMOs uh, <coughs> because it's trying to, you know, always achieve balance. And if they're not feeding on something, it's a food source for something else, right? So that's why I don't like to take it to an IMO three or four for that particular application. You're totally answering some of my sub questions that I had written there. I, I, I really, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that because I was going to ask if you, uh, if you preferred IMO two or IMO3. Um, so is it, when you're spraying that, it's, it's, it could be detrimental to the beneficials, correct? Oh yeah, it'll absolutely, you know, it, it can absolutely kill your beneficial bugs, but it's more of a, hey, if I'm doing an outdoor and I'm doing acres, right? And it's, we had this issue in Zimbabwe where we had the, the grasshoppers eating the, the, the stems, right? They were eating the bark off the stems about halfway up to plant and topping the plants. So, um, <laughs> and when you have acres and acres and acres or hectares and hectares and hectares uh, or, or a large greenhouse facility even, or even just a grow room or a grow tent, it, it can be hard to, to get into all the nooks and crannies. And we were able to use, utilize this method and then just basically carpet bomb the whole field and everything around the field and just get that, that, those predator microbes up in, in a heavy level around the farm and anything that came in, it might live for a couple of days. It might do a little bit of damage, but it's, you know, it's basically as a timer the moment it steps onto the property. Um, cool, and that man. really helps. Thanks. 
you know, while we did see Thank stuff, you. You, know, you see a gradual reduction of it. You also have a lot of those uh, microbials seem to not really bug, you know, we're not seeing a ton of bee death. I mean, we had beehives and stuff like that, that were on the property, same area we're using it. We didn't see, you know, at least in my testing, I haven't had a ton of, of stuff. Now I absolutely think you could propagate something that would kill them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you that it's a hundred percent bee safe you can totally, you know, you don't know what you're gathering, but at the same time, you don't know what you're gathering, right? So you can go to uh, Zimbabwe or Nigeria or go to Africa or Australia or to Russia and utilize this method or, or Jamaica in the middle of nowhere, get some rice, buy some insect frass at the fertilizer place, go collect some of the insects in the yard, grab some sugar, and hey, now I can make some pesticide. I don't, you know, and not only that, it's gonna be a biopesticide. It's gonna have no negative impact on my local thing. It might not work. This batch might not work. Or you might find a particular batch that works awesome that you can hold on to or use that, utilize that to propagate and, and, and keep feeding that on more insect frass and, 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 and propagate that. The idea is that to teach people the concept, not so much the exact, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure someone can very, very, you know, change up this formula and further refine it. Again, it's just a, it, it's a, here's a solution. And, and you can, you know, change the knobs and whistles and levers a little bit to adjust it to your, your specific thing. But here's here's a, an option, right? So if I am in the middle of nowhere and I am kind of being overrun by an insect that I don't really have an answer for and I don't have money or if I'm in, when I was in Africa, it takes me forever to import anything and it's expensive as hell. You know, if I do import something, especially if it's an emergency situation, we're talking thousands of dollars just in shipping. So um, we, we, I, 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 it's just not feasible, right? And, and even then, I might have to do, it might sit in customs for two weeks because of, you know, local bureaucracy or some other stupid BS. Now everything's dead. You know, I don't have time, you know, so this gives you something that you can constantly propagate on the property. You know, you can have different seasons. You know, if I have grasshoppers or caterpillars or whatever at a certain time of year, we can do IMO collections that time of year and, 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 and then start and store them, you know, for a year. And then next year, start utilizing them a month or two ahead of time and kind of inoculate the plants against those pests. You know, and again, you can utilize this the exact same way you use the IMO for the soil, but in a pest management kind of uh, methodology. Uh, and that's kind of what I want people to kind of take away from it is, is that, um, you know, think of it more as like a, um, a process that you can refine or adjust to your own needs, uh, but something that you can utilize anywhere in the world. And it's cheap. You know, anybody can have, a, a, you can have next to nothing and still pull this off. As long as you got a sprayer and, and some, <laughs> and some sugar and some ice, you're good. Is it safe for, for humans? It's like one of those, is it one of those things where you, what, what do they have with the pesticides? You have how many days before you can enter the, enter the Oh, re-entry? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no problem. I mean, it's, I, I'd wager that you could drink it just fine. I mean, in fact, yeah. I'd, I'd be willing to drink some that I made. I mean, it's not, it's, it's nothing crazy. I mean, we, we, uh, you can eat IMO2. IMO2 is great for your digestive tract, so wonder if we can make something and call it Beetlejuice. <laughs> there you go. You have to say it three times, though. It's to be Beetlejuice. <laughs> oh, man. Well, since we're on the, on the subject of I, I, uh, IPM, when you're, when you're taking cuts from outdoor and you're bringing them indoor, so what's your IPM process with that? 
Well, I don't, one, I don't, the likelihood of me taking something outdoor and bringing it indoors is very low. Um, but if I was doing that, I mean, the standard protocol that we're using, something that we learned at the Regenerative Conference a couple of years ago, which is uh, using Suffoil X and, and Suffoil X dipping all clones. Yeah, we looked that that's up. A that's, product by, uh, that's a product mineral by BioWorks. Oil. Yeah, it's a mineral oil by BioWorks. You know, kill damn near anything. Russet mites, broad mites, powdery mildew, you know, whatever's on that planet, it'll kill. Cool, man. Was that Susan Susan Wainwright Evans? Was she the one that was part of that? I think that was the I think that was the one who, who was dropping that. Yep. Yep. Awesome. So then, off of off of all of that, and on a on a personal note, uh, so I, I'm dealing with a with a bunch of lower back pain. I I'm able to use um, the the Comfrey and the Alantuan, uh topically. Um, Unfortunately, my, my uh, employment status does not allow me to uh, to consume anything with THC in it. But um, what what other kind of plant medicines are you using for uh, for pain relief? Um, everything from mushrooms to maybe um, non THC uh, products that are still cannabis that I might be able to to use. Yeah. So. Um, uh right now especially for pain uh, i've been a big fan of um uh, grapeseed oil uh, grapeseed oil is a great one for for pain um uh, and stuff like that um and then on the other side of things um i'm just trying to think mostly just cannabis um we've been making a lot of good i mean it's harvest season so we've had a uh, an unusually large amount of rosin around so uh, there's kind of more more jars of uh, bubble hash and, and uh, dry sift than uh, we know what to do or have time to process right now. So um, Fair enough. Yeah. mostly just been, been uh, something hurts, either eating just raw rosin or, or smoking. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I can't do that. I, I wish I could. Um, uh, like grape seed oil, though, um, I've made I think Costco sells our organic grapeseed oil. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I got to look at the bottle, but um, yeah, that's that's. I, I was making that with a, a little bit of a blend. Um, I didn't know that it had any any pain relief. Uh, yeah, we have a we have a product coming. Oh, grapeseed oil itself doesn't have any pain relief. If you want something that has additional pain relief for for that, um, the the thing that my my other go to specifically for pain that's not cannabis is. Um, uh, there's a pro well, I have a lot of friends that sort of by Kratom. I'm not big on Kratom because I personally, I don't not, I don't like the way it makes me feel, but I have a lot of friends of mine that have a lot of chronic pain that get a lot of relief from it. Also friends of mine that have, have taken that to help get themselves off of opioids. Um, so it's a great, great plant, great, great medicine for people. Just not my personal thing. Um, but uh, there's a, a, a cactus, um, you know, like those bigger, uh, I don't know what the English word for it is. I know that in Jamaica, I know the Jamaican word for it, and that's what I always call it uh, when I see it in the states. But it's the bigger pleated cactus. It's not like a prickly pear. It's like a taller, more woodier kind of prickly pear, and has the big plates on it. They call it tuna in Jamaica, but it has bigger, bigger giant plates on it. And anyways, you cut that up, and when I have bad muscles or like back spasms sometimes, and and the THC isn't helping by itself. I'll take one of those plates. You can get them at like the, um, um, sometimes at like the, the Latin American stores or the canisserias and uh, okay. they'll have them sometimes with the, yeah. And you can chop them up 
and you put them in ice water and you, you uh, put it in the fridge for like an hour and let the ice melt and then you drink it and it helps so much with my back spasms. Wow. There's like something in it that really is like, helps a lot with that. Awesome, thank you. I'm gonna look into that. Yeah, other than that, just grapeseed oil and with cannabis and for, for, for skin and pain for like something to rub on works awesome. Well, luckily, uh, if you use it topically, it won't it won't bust you for for tests. So uh, I'm able to use that. Just oh no, it will. Not... It will. Yes, no, topically, will totally fail you in a test. Ah oh, shit. <laughs> okay, so that's Alleg out. Allegedly, allegedly shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, fair enough. Um, back to what you were talking about. Are you done? Or, yeah, yeah, go. So you got all your stuff in there. Yeah. Um, you were talking um during the conference um different aquaponics systems. We're we're building a, a greenhouse um, and and right now we're just growing in, in soil. But you know I, I want to start experimenting with with uh, uh aquaponics. You you were you were discussing a decoupled aquaponic system where the fish aren't actually part of the the growing system. Um. Can you explain a little bit of how that works? Um, I we can. I'm not a I, I'm not a big fan of decoupled, and that's the only time I think decoupled is good is if you're going to do um, either like cold water fish, like we have um, uh, Habitat Life. They do tr uh, salmon, right? So salmon yeah. need totally different water parameters uh, in terms of pH and temperature. Or well, mainly temperature is the biggest problem. Um, but they'll ben slightly benefit from a slightly higher pH, uh, ideally. Um, uh, uh, so they actually do a, a more kind of pseudo decoupled system where it's a very long cycling back where they can kind of run different temperatures and there's time to kind of warm back up for the plants. Um, uh, there's some other people out there. That are, there's another company that, uh, that's doing Arctic grayling, a uh, smaller aquaponic cannabis company in Canada and stuff like that that are doing radically different water temperatures or something like that. Um, uh, also salmonids and trout also have issues with potassium uptake. They will uptake significantly higher amounts of potassium, uh, than, than other fish will. Um, the other one would like that would be striped bass. Striped bass also will, will over accumulate potassium and start having, uh, cardiovascular issues, uh, uh at a pretty early rate, uh, compared to other fish, uh, in terms of PPM levels. Oh, wow. uh, so they, uh, that makes them less than ideal, uh, for, for cannabis. Um, so that would be the you know, the reasons for, for doing that. But uh, mainly, I mainly like doing a method called um, uh, uh, multi-loop or, or coupled multi-loop where we have everything's, uh, all the grow beds or, or a, a single row or bay or room is tied to a, a single sump tank. And then we can uh, adjust however many fish tanks are connected to the individual's setup. So it's constantly circulating and then we can either add more or less fish tanks. So it's constantly, the whole system is circulating. You're just changing it between multiple systems um, that are, you know, still again, always coupled. Every system always has at least one fish tank on it. Um, but if we're doing it in veg, we might have three fish tanks to boost the nitrogen levels. And then in flower, you know, during transition, cut it to two and then cut it down to one for the se you know, second half of flower and really pull down the nitrogen to get that, that, that larger bud size, because that's one of the biggest problems you have in aquaponics is people have way too much nitrogen uh, going into flower. Or I know um, uh, a Nelson and Peta 
out there is telling people to feed more in flour. They need more nutrients. Well, yeah, that that's true, but they do need more nutrients in the flour, but slamming your nitrogen is only going to reduce the size of your buds and give you larfier buds and reduce trichome count per square inch. So uh, again, you see this with a lot of the the, the newer aquaponic cannabis growers, their plants are stretched out. They're, they're not just all cola like you see in soil um, and, and they're smaller or they're stretched out or the, the diameter of them is more like a pencil and not like a beer can, um, you know, and, and that kind of stuff once they're dry. And that's the kind of stuff that you see again. And it's just, you, you know, until you've done a lot of testing, you've done a lot of, compa especially comparison testing, we are going directly against, you know, go grab some GH in a part two and run that in a, in a grow tent and run it directly against what you think is the best. And if they aren't the same yield, you did something wrong. <laughs> right? Like, cause this is, this is the easy PV. You're, you're, when you have to compete against things that part of your peer B, you got to do that. Or the same thing too. And if I'm going into, and this is the other big advantage for, for dual root zone is, okay, I have to go into a grow facility that's hiring me as a consultant and I need to train up all these growers that are familiar with either hydro hydroponics or soil, or they're, you know, just getting going, but they need something that they can understand and wrap their heads around and then adjust and predictably adjust and, and something that's going to be within their comfort level and giving them something that's a pot with dirt that they can uh, adjust the uh, nutrients on. That's something that most people are familiar with. They've done a part A, part B, or they've done a cocoa, or they've done, you know, some, or grow, you know, vegetable gardening, but something that they're, they're, they're not afraid of, right? So that it's something that they're, they're much more willing to adapt themselves to than trying to get them to fully convert to something that just looks completely foreign to them. Um, it, it, you don't get that same level of response. It's easier to train people. It's easier to get them to dial it in on their own once you're not there. Uh, and I found it just as an easier way just to get people, especially to transition over from previously being a different method. Um, it, it just, it's easier for people to understand. Yeah, it's more familiar, uh, the familiarity with, with the, the, the traditional ways. Um, yeah, I, I mean, when I first saw a dual root zone, um, it blew my mind. It was a picture of a pot in an aquaponics setup, and it was just peppers on strings for days. And I think the guy's post was that he left for Bulgaria or somewhere. I don't know where he went. It, it's, it was so many years ago, but I, I, I wouldn't forget him. He came back and exploded the pepper. So. Yeah, he was doing a rock wool. It was, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but yeah, he was doing rock wool in Europe somewhere. And uh, they were doing mm -hmm. rock wool instead of soil, doing the dual root zone. And then we started, uh, kind of took the concept because we were doing all kinds of ideas with the aquaponic cannabis going like, how do we boost nutrients? And we were actually thinking about like, could we soak like sea sponges with the nutrient organic nutrients they need maybe like hyper hyper inoculate them in like the mineralization tanks and then add them to the grow beds to like be like nutrient reservoirs or like we were trying to come up we had a bunch of different couple of different ideas on how to do it we tried decoupled and stuff like that and you can get decoupled to work uh, absolutely but at the same time you're going to spend more you have to dump those reservoirs once in a while you will get nutrient imbalance because you are running mm -hmm. a hydro system you know and, and if i'm in california i you know it costs me so much money per gallon that goes out that's beyond a, a, a certain parts per million level so what they they have a parts per million meter at the end of the the sewer line and if i'm over 800 ppms or whatever the city decides is, is my limit I have to pay so much 
per gallon and, and you know, for remediation or, or you know, and, and that's just one scenario, but different counties and different states have different remediation stuff. That gets expensive. You know, they're, they're trying to discourage people from dumping, you know, nutrients that are polluting our lakes and rivers into the system. And, and I'm all for those types of regulations. And, and with, you know, by doing decoupled and having to dump your reservoirs and stuff like that kind of, well, why aren't you just doing hydro and like just making it less complicated? You know what I mean? Like I just, you're, 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 you're kind of defeating the purpose of doing that. Whereas you can minorly supplement as you go along and, and, and not have to dump your reservoirs ever, maybe once every five, couple of years, just for heavy metal dump or, you know, mainly sodium is, is the biggest issue uh, that or, or dedicate some area to uh, celery. Celery is a great exporter. Uh, but yeah, I heard about that. Um, yeah, they, they, they like the sodium, uh, rat growing with brackish water. So, so by, by, what do they call that? Bioponics? Is that similar to like a decoupled system where they're using like biological, uh, bioponics is more like organic, like straight organic hydro, or they'll take kind of cow manure, horse manure. We have, um, uh, what's his name? He's been on the show. Um, ah, oh, shoot. It begins with an E, Eric or, I'll think of his name in a minute. He, he used to do a bunch of talks and then he kind of went silent. He's kind of a, a little uh, farmer, whatever he's been working on lately. Ah, I just was talking to him like three days ago too. It'll come to me. So, so bioponics, I mean, can you explain like what you've seen? We, we, we're kind of like toying around with that idea, but uh, you know, like how you explain the pros and cons of like two couples. Um, I mean, have you seen anybody growing that way or, you know, is, is, is the con the same where you, you still got to dump the water um, at the end of the run? Have to do the guy I was thinking of is David Epstein, David Epstein. So that's the, the guy who's the bioponics, big, big on bioponics. Um, yeah, he, he did quite a bit of work. Um, it, you know, it's, it's really similar to aquaponics, um, just kind of a different, different okay. way to think about it. Um, you're just kind of using, you know, not using direct fish waste, you're kind of using a, a more of a secondary waste, I guess, is a, is a better way to put it. It's much more of a direct hydroponic than a, you know, recirculating, continuously balancing system. You think that could be a good stepping stone from going just living soil bioponics before you you have to add the whole element of fish care um and stuff in there you think that would be like a proper kind of like uh, I, I think it's probably better suited for like people that don't have access to power or if I'm in like India or remote Africa and, and you know, that because that doesn't need hardly any power at all, that's a great solution for those types of environment. And there's whole swaths of the world where that's, that's gonna make way more sense than trying to come in with a, you know, in, in Zimbabwe, we had Zesa, Zesa is the power that we had guaranteed-ish power between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. and then everything else is a crapshoot so oh wow. you, you better have solar or wind or turbines or diesel or some type of generator or your sol and uh and and that's just you know that's the case for a large part of the you know 30 percent of the population of the planet lives 
without power or without permanent power. So more, you know, certainly more than that, but you know, uh, a, a large percentage. So I think that's really where it's really going to shine. Um, whereas, you know, it's not a aquaponics, at least the fish component of it is not complicated. It's mostly just about not assuming. I think the biggest thing that people make mistake they make is just assuming that, that fish poop is magic and was was somehow uh, chemically formulated for cannabis plants to uh, to not need anything else. And it's like, well, this is completely ridiculous. Like, do you expect your cow manure to have every single nutrient? Of course not. Like, that's just ridiculous. Like, like, you know. You know, nobody puts anything in like straight <laughs> castings or straight manure or like like that, that's just insane, right? So why why would you put that in a straight fish manure and assume that that's also going to have everything? It's just equally as crazy. But people don't think about it because it's just this magical thing that has this like like I love to call it the religion of organics versus the science of organics, right? You have the 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 crystals and the whatever. The bi what is it called? The biodynamic. Um, ways well you know the thing about the aquaponics the way you grow with the dual roots on what what, what i found most attractive was was the the diaphragm breathing effect of the soil in the pot i i think that that because you know that was the one thing was like how do you increase oxygen content in 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 the soil and people were coming up with like blowing fans and air pumps and stones and and you know these all the crazy things i've seen but this diaphragm effect makes complete sense. It's it's just this, like it's like the soil is a lung. So you got. Oh yeah, and it helps a lot with with increasing plant growth and plant growth speed itself. Well, so. I can imagine. I mean, just the microbial, um, just the micro, just the, the potential for how many microbes are able to, to live in that particular environment is. It, it also reduces your um, your your uh, total nutrients per run because um, by, by doing the flood and drain you're you're only do, you know only having to dose the amount of water minus the displacement versus uh, with the DWC system you have to dose a significantly larger volume which means things like iron you're dosing two three four times as much uh, for the same square footage and you're losing you know 15 to 20 percent of that iron through oxidation by the time the plants actually absorb it because it's in a larger volume so it ends up being significantly more expensive per run to do the same square footage that's that's cool that's cool but if, you were, if, you were, if you were doing a very hot or cold climate though particularly cold climate the advantages is that it's a thermal battery so if i do solar heating or gas heating in that water volume it's going to help me maintain thermal mass right so so um that's you know if i'm in canada that's that's a benefit right even though it's more expensive i'm going to save a hell of a lot more money on the back end with climate control costs uh than i will with the minerals you know the extra minerals so it's it just depends on your climate very cool. yeah you got to crunch the numbers there very cool so but um yeah um anybody else in chat that have any questions? I'm really curious because the back to the iron thing, the iron chelates, I really wonder how well this stuff will remediate the iron. Just with that kale, find out. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, you could, I, you could I, test it really easy. You could go get a Hannah iron checker, uh, you know, Hannah, the testing 
uh, testers. Yeah, they have a specific they, test. They have specific ones for iron, for iron, yes. So they have ones for uh, all different types of ones. If, if anyone's interested, you can actually go to the um, go, um, Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Facebook group in the file section. Uh, I have a enormous spreadsheet with every test kit you could possibly ever want to use uh, on there, and you can you can check that all out. But um, uh, Hanna test kits are great. I've been using them for years in, in, in aquatics, uh, in and out of the cannabis industry, um, because if you're into aquariums and you keep uh, reef tanks and, and tropical fish, um, uh, if you're colorblind or partially colorblind, you can't see those color wheels and those color charts and those those different. You know, you're looking for a slight shade difference. Some some of the people that, that do that, they can't see that. It's just it's physically not possible for their eyes to do. So with the Hanna checkers, you can actually do it and get a digital number that you don't have. You can be colorblind as a bat and only see in black and white and still get all your answers you need. So it's great for That's people cool. that have, you know, what is it, something like 20% of the population is some type of color issue, uh, you know, somewhere. So uh, it really helps people uh, that, you know, have that problem because it's a huge section of the population that people just don't realize. That's neat. I had no idea you could. They had, um, you know, testers like like that. They could just test for specific uh, specific only. But that oh, actually yeah. is something really neat to, to see in, in yeah. the system. Yeah, we uh, have a, a little guy. It's like a twenty gallon, a twenty gallon half barrel thing that we're gonna fire up in the next week or so. So you can see some of that progress on Instagram. We'll, we'll tag you yeah. on it. And awesome. You got any pointers for us? Uh, you know. We'll, but there, um, so like, what's the, what, what's the thing that you're most excited about right now in the current state of like aquaponics and cannabis? Uh, some of the new, I don't know. I'm trying to think. There's, there's some cool projects that we're building out in the next year that are kind of insane and scale and some stuff like that. And, um, just some some interesting. I think the probably the coolest project that I'm aware of right now is, is Breeder Steve's doing this massive, giant, multi-acre project in in Colombia. Which uh, at at some point between December and June, I'm going to probably pop down and see and do some filming at, which is going to be cool. Um, so, oh, so that'll be awesome to to check out down there. But um, yeah, he, I mean, that's probably the craziest thing, but I've just been working on a bunch of this microbial stuff. Um, anyone that's been following me knows we've been talking to people about the super labs and the, um, the, the pest management IMO collection and stuff like that. And just kind of jumping down those rabbit holes. There's a bunch of other stuff that we haven't shown off yet in that realm that that's pretty cool. Um, and just, just kind of unlock a lot more of these, like, I like to call them bioweapons or bio bio uh bio tools that we can utilize from from stuff that we already are familiar with you know this is stuff that everybody's already doing you know everybody's doing natural farming everyone's doing bioaccumulators for their compost bins people aren't combining those two pools of knowledge for fpj and for lab ferments and doing these different things and it's great to see people like yourselves taking charge and and you know re refining it and getting that that stuff done and turning them into usable products and taking it away from the oh well that's something the hippies do to hey i can buy that in a store now like you know what i mean and 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 that that makes it a lot more relatable and makes people think it's less hocus, hocus pocus in fact i had we had and I'll give you a great example of this i, I <laughs> and me being laughed at 
Um, uh, I had a, a, a guy last year when we had the floods happen in Oklahoma and we had the, you know, the, the whole thing got flooded out. Well, I told this guy, look, we can treat your, your, your field with labs and then treat it with IMO and you can put stuff out there and safely not worry about E. coli or listeria or whatever. And I gave the guy a, a whole gallon jug of labs and, 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 and a liquid IMO and the guy threw the jugs back at me and told me to take my hippie bullshit back to California. And I was like, dude, like, I just gave you what you need to fix your garden and you're going to throw it at me. Like, like so sometimes you have people that just don't want to listen. Like you can give it to them for free and they still don't want to listen. Right. So, so, so by having it on the shelf and then seeing it when they go in there and they're self-educating changes their willingness to, to accept fermented, fermented plants and move in that organic direction because it's, Hey, Oh, that's next to the hydro stuff now. You know, it's now it's something that, oh, it's actually been taken serious. It's this is something that actually does work for other people rather than just being something that they see on the forums, you know, and it helps make it relatable and helps get it into people's hands and get, it helps convert people. Yeah, I think, you know, back to where you were talking about you know, how, how aquaponics and dual roots on just needs to be more familiar. Um, you know, we, we hate the fact that it comes in a plastic bottle, but it, it, it needs to be this is the only way we can get it out to you guys you know uh, the, the, perhaps um the, oh. the the overall goal um outside of shipping is having a brick and mortar store where people can come in fill up their their own uh containers and stuff so that we're not putting a whole bunch of plastic in and refuse um landfills and everything uh at, at good discounts uh we we want to reward people that are that are taking that extra step uh to try to reduce er everything that we're putting out there so hopefully hopefully in in uh in due time we'll have let's give, we'll some have areas. Huh? Let's give some away uh yeah i was trying to figure out the codes that you had used on the um during the conference that had been redeemed and for the life of me, I cannot find that no, code. Don't yet. worry, we'll, we'll we'll get it out to them. So we'll we'll make sure. Just uh, yeah. if anybody is in chat and you guys want to try one, and you're here in the fifty states or any of the territories, uh, we'll shoot to the support. You could try it on your garden and let us know how, how it works for you. Yeah, if you're into it. If you guys are still listening, <laughs> it's been a couple of hours now. So. Oh yeah, no, we got. Uh, I think we have more viewers now than we have at any point in the show. We're up to. Oh sweet! Oh, and the cool. timing is perfect. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, Hi, guys. for for for, for yeah, joining. Got, you got thirty-six people watching you right now, so. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if anybody wants one, uh, yeah, chime in and uh, get your email, yeah. and we'll, we'll 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 ship you a bottle. Yeah. So yeah. what uh, what's the what's the email they should uh, they should shoot you at? I don't know. Shoot it to uh, how we did it uh, that day. It, okay. It works out for you because yeah. I can't see what. I can't see oh, them. Here, I can fix that. One second here, but there we go. We got to pick somebody with a cool name. All right, here's. Uh, can you see Zoom chat? Yes, you can see Zoom chat. Click that link there. The chat link. Yeah, and that will open up into. Oh, there it is. Oh, very nice. So, and then just hit live chat at the top. It'll say top chat, live chat. Make sure you're at live chat. Hold on. It's uh, it's just showing me a link. Yeah, it's click the link. Okay. Oh, 
and it took us and, to YouTube. Yep, so that's live, the live YouTube chat. Oh. Oh, wow. Hey, guys. And we can't see you. We don't have... uh, it's fine. I can see you fine. Yes. All right. You're good. Do you want um, us to pick or do you want to? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys pick since you guys are, are doing it. Uh, well, I don't know. We might know some of these people, so we, we should. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Some well, of that's... our viewers are on there, so yeah. we don't want to make it sound, you know, we want it to be as random as possible. Okay. Yeah, well, and uh, the, only, the only thing we request is that we're only shipping in the U.S. right now. Or the territories okay. like uh, yeah. okay. Virgin Islands, uh, Guam. Oh, we have a project in Guam. Like doing some consulting for a buddy out there. This is in Guam right now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like Heck yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're doing really awesome. well, too. Yeah, they just legalized recently as well. Uh, the downside is you got to watch oh, out for all the vipers dude. there. Well, they have all the cat eyed vipers or whatever they are there. Really? They got stuff that I feel you out there? Oh, yeah. We missed a bunch of jokes. Sorry, James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It is. All right. Uh, let's do a uh, uh, dirt road dude. How about that? Dirt road dirt dude. Road. Dirt Road Dude, email potentponics at gmail and uh, we'll get you a, a code for uh, a free uh, a casual fields, man. Yeah. You're it, man. Oh. Pick one oh. more. What about All right. one more? Let's do one more. We're feeling. All right. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, are, are curious. I mean, I, you know, I, we, we think that once you've tried it and see what it can do for your plants, uh, that's the biggest one. Uh, on, on Instagram, when 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 they get their bottles and they've tried it, they, they, they really can't believe the difference. It's a visual difference you, you get within the next day or two of what the plant actually looks like after you've used it. It's also Whoa. new. Dylan, Dylan got it. Uh, Ouch. <laughs> I was just going to say Dylan yeah. Eagleston, but he definitely earned it with that one. Yeah, he, he gets one. He, it, but I hope your lips okay. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Dylan oh. goes, Pitbull bit part of my lip off and I used the comfrey salve to help heal it. Um, All right. Hours, a couple yeah. hours is nothing. This is great, man. I'm really enjoying this. this I, I can't believe there's so many people talking. We have no idea. Oh, we need yeah. to get more screens up. We got 40 people now. It's only going up, so. Apparently, we need to talk more about dogs biting people in the face. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so my grandmother used to grow a lot of comfrey as a kid, and she used to always say it helped with like mm -hmm. healing and so you know, and body repair and things like that. So uh, uh, it makes me. Uh, um... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is awesome, man. This is absolutely There's the awesome. chat right there, so oh. we can see the chat. I, I oh. it, so we can we can see the chat on my phone. Oh. We can take this back. Yeah. So how do we how do we get back to? Sorry, to, back to it's, we're, we're loving we this Zoom thing, man. Oh yeah. So what I do is I just stretch Zoom so it's a little bit smaller, so I can see you and chat on the right. Oh, you can size it. Oh man. You can also yeah, pop but... out chat into its own pop out if you want. Um, does anybody have any other oh, questions? Yeah, uh, what you got now that we can see what's going on? Let me see. Uh, Southern Oregon farmers need help. Come on. 
Yeah, it's been a really bad year for them. And then shout out to our friends in Colorado. I have uh, multiple friends under evacuation. And then uh, Scotty Reel oh, no. from Do Grow Show is actually under pre-evacuation order. If, if, if he's not, it's right. The, 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 the warning zone is right next to him, too. So, uh, you know, one of our, our friends uh, that we have on the show regularly uh, might have to evacuate. So, uh, you know, please, you know, shout out our, our thoughts are with uh, everybody going through the, the firestorm that is 2020 and all of its forms. Yeah, um, actually, the, the Santa Cruz Cannabis Company is doing a, um, a fire relief fund. It's called Relief. Uh, R E L E A F. Um, we're uh, we we donated some comprey for some of their auctions. So shout out to them. Thank you guys for doing that. Uh, it's been real bad. Uh, California was real bad. We we saw days and night. Um, very very scary. Uh, we we have a lot of people that were affected by it. Um, nothing but love for you guys. Um, and we're we're trying to help as much as we possibly can. Yeah. It's 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 cool to see how how people can band together to help those that that really really in serious trouble. Just, just the pictures we've seen from some of our our friends' farms, it's, it breaks my heart to see that much destruction you know, after what they all the hard work that that gets put in and to to doing what they do. But, yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's really a shame, and then uh, I've even had. I had somebody call me today and say, hey, I've had it with Humboldt. I can't deal with the fires anymore. This is, I've had twice now, I've I've either lost everything or almost lost everything I'm not doing anymore. Um, and I and they're with uh, two other friends and they're moving to Oklahoma now. They're, they're saying the hell with this, we're, we're out, we're, we're, we're gonna go to where it's easier to get a license. We're gonna go to where we don't get, you know, don't get screwed with and where we don't have firestorms. So, and you can't blame them. I'm seeing, you know, a lot of people just leaving California that they're, they've killed the cannabis market there through regulatory insanity um, where, and then right next door in Nevada, you have, they, they made double the tax revenue the first two years they expected to, because they didn't over-regulate. So, and then Oklahoma is the least regulated market in the planet right now. So less is more, right? Yeah. Hey, give me, give me some, um, some ammunition that I can, I can go to for the wife and trying to get her. We're, we're, we're trying to look at for a place to expand uh, more acreage, uh, grow, grow more concrete. What's up? What caliber? What, what? A bad joke. Never oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, no, you, <laughs> so we, we've actually been looking at Oregon, Washington, uh, some spots in the East coast. Um, I have a friend that's trying to get us to, to move out there. I'm not much of an East coast guy, but, uh, he, he's throwing out a, um, a pretty good argument for that. Uh, I was looking at places in Oklahoma that there, there's vast amounts of land out there that are very, very affordable. Um, what, what my wife is worried about is the lack of diversity. So what, what, can I, uh, what can I tell her that might make it appealing for her and, and that she won't focus on the uh, lack of diversity too much? There's all kinds of white people here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. There, there, there is a, you know, definite, I mean, 
I would say it's less diverse than Philadelphia or San Francisco, um, but, but um, you know, it's, I would say it's definitely, we have, I mean, we live in a pretty remote area of Oklahoma and we have a pretty good selection of, of food and, and smaller uh, ethnic places. Maybe not a huge selection, but there's definitely options and there's definitely some smaller communities of different, you know, people that are maybe less represented in the United States than, than other groups. Fair enough, fair enough. But I, you know, Tulsa in particular, Tulsa is very liberal. I think Tulsa is almost like Denver or, or parts of like some of the bigger cities you see are, are like almost like Eugene or something like that, where it's in a conservative area, but it's kind of like this little semi-liberal enclave where, you know, it's, it's much more of a, like coastal liberal city in terms of general you know culture and attitude uh, tulsa in particular really reminds me of, of parts of colorado's front range almost like fort collins like like still kind of conservative but you know pretty socially liberal on most things uh, my, my wife's vietnamese and she she would like to see a little bit of her her kind represented around there oh yeah well oklahoma city and tulsa for tulsa. sure yeah okay. tulsa that goes on my list. <laughs> we have friends in Tulsa. Yeah, it's it's the city. Cool, man. Hey, dude, thank thank you for all of this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a wealth it. of knowledge. Yeah, we. I watched a couple of the, there was a show that you had um, where you were talking about greenhouse um, uh, cooling, and you were talking about some geothermal. Uh, some, some things yeah so you guys are doing that too you guys actually i like you guys did a totally different design i've i've seen about four or five different designs and yours is different than that i was actually was was one of the things when i was taking notes when i was looking at your instagram today i was like vertical coil vertical loops i haven't seen that as a different so so explain to us the method the, the reasoning behind that because that was kind of cool well, they, they, a lot of times they'll, they'll they'll put the slinky sideways but what happens is is that if the water gets too hot they found out that, um, so what this is, is we, we, we're putting pipes under the ground. If you go on our feed and you just see pictures of a bunch of pipes, these pipes are um, high density polyethylene and you, you run water through uh, heat exchangers or like radiators, like in your car, and you blow air in it and it takes the hot air from your greenhouse and um, you, this water cools it down. So you're blowing cool air. It's like, it's like air conditioning. You pump this hot water underground well, if you're laying the ground loops, um, there it is. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, if you're laying the ground loops horizontally, what could happen is the weight of the earth can actually crush your pipes. When those pipes get hot, they get soft. And um, it can cause pinching. And we dug that hole. <laughs> Dig a hole, I said. It'd yeah. be easy. It, 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 we, we started it with shovels and... We yeah. did it for one weekend. We got uh, we got a three foot wide, about was it three foot deep? Maybe three foot wide, three foot deep, maybe twelve feet long. Yeah, we did that with shovels, and I started looking up mini excavators. And let me tell you, that was a story. We we got these excavators. <laughs> we got the first excavator, thinking we could just knock it out in a weekend. It took it took me ten days to dig this hole. It's uh. It's, it was a, a 16 by 20 deep, a 16 by 20 uh, and about seven, seven, and a half. seven and a half feet deep hole. And it was like a puzzle. 
because that's that's your problem you run into a track hoe and you needed an excavator yeah no no we, well that's all we could fit we had to fit it behind gates like we we couldn't take any gates down this was the smallest little rinky dink thing that we could fit into the backyard um without tearing fences out um yeah you scroll back you can actually see me riding on that thing and what i don't tell you and this is exclusive on your podcast is that mushrooms really help with that process <laughs> oh yeah um but you know we're, we're we're gonna be put yeah that thing yeah the excavators so so yeah we're, we're gonna be it's not up yet um it's cold now but we should have it up by by the time it gets uh starts getting warm but yeah we just we we did two layers because we, we were constrained by our space we don't have a whole lot of space i mean we barely had space to to move around with this thing so we had to dig the hole from inside the hole that was a that was a huge challenge it was scary incredibly scary we uh we weren't exactly confident that we were going to be able to get it out of the hole at some points but we got it out it was amazing uh the first excavator that we had completely lost its hydraulics oh yeah it broke yeah. inside the hole the first one there's a picture where we have two excavators there luckily they they had one just like it and and you know we have a really cool neighbor he's a forklift mechanic what we had to do to get that excavator out we actually had to break this one and take the good part off of the good the, the the new excavator i picked up and um put it on the broken one so we had two excavators down uh, that weekend so it was it was it, it all worked out it was great yeah but yeah i was on that thing for over 10 hours a day digging this down <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna pay off i hope what i what i learned this a couple haven't done two years now in, in oklahoma uh is uh, especially in the summertime work at night don't oh, cook i was working at night too yeah. the neighbors yeah. were wondering when it was gonna stop <laughs> we, we had some issues with um <laughs> with some but we made it good everybody this, this is where edibles come in oh man well, edible you give your neighbors the edibles. Oh <laughs> yeah, give them the edibles. Make them sleep. Yeah, yeah. They they didn't know what we were doing back there. They just heard the sound of an excavator. Just we had a we had we were digging a garden. At, this is about when I lived in Boulevard, way out, way out in the Tecate Divide, way out in the desert, east about an hour and change east of uh, San Diego. And uh, we were we rented an excavator to dig the the foundation for a greenhouse because we were going to put geothermal in it because it gets hot, and so we get a day and a half into excavating and like twelve border patrol show up with uh, ground penetrating radar and all this stuff and they made us immediately turn the machine off, stop, and they had to get in the hole and they ran their ground penetrating radar and they they thought we were digging a tunnel to Mexico. Oh, <laughs> yeah, or connecting to one. It was funny as shit. They came like, you know, a whole army of them. <laughs> was it like super troopers? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I've dealt with them on two separate occasions. The other time I had a similar situation was right after the floods happened in Colorado. And the um, I was working with a, a, hydro, a hydro company at the time. And we ordered extra peroxide because we had all the pool guys and all these plumbers and shit buying extra peroxide uh, from us because they could get the higher grade and cut it down and use it for getting people's pools open and, and just, you know, 
get, getting stuff food safe again and, and run, you know, flush in lines and stuff. Well, we ordered, uh, we, we had a 155 gallon drum that we were ordering every two months or three months. And that was what we normally did. Well, we suddenly ordered two of them and Department of Homeland Security came and, you know, gave everybody a hard time, demanded to know why we were ordering more peroxide and, and all this other stuff, because I guess you can use it as an oxidizer allegedly um, uh, 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 for, for certain nefarious actions. Um, so they, they immediately came in and, you know, wanted to see everybody's ID, wanted to know, you know, it was a huge problem immediately. Uh, and it took us quite a few hours of, you know, just explaining to them, look, there was a flood, there's a food safety reason, everyone's out of the high grade and we just, it's profitable right now. I was like, there's no, there's no, there's no more than that, right? Like, we're, we're not making anything we're not supposed to, we're just selling the stuff. Like, here, here's the receipts, right? Like, here's the pre-order for the, here's the pre-order for most of that barrel. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can, you have to be careful with some stuff. I mean, there's some other, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll not mention the specific ones, but there's definitely some other plant inputs and other inputs you can get yourself into on the lists pretty easily too with some of the different stuff that people recommend for natural farming. So you got to be careful. Well, and what kind of quantities, you know, ordering a few kilos or, or, you know, 50 pound sacks is different than, you know, ordering uh, when you're growing for a grow tent, you know, what might flag, not flag somebody growing it on six plants might, you know, suddenly do it if you're ordering a pallet of it, right? So it's just, there's there's that problem too sometimes. Yeah. Um. So you, you've grown, uh, you've built a couple of greenhouses using geothermal. What what, what were your experiences like? Um, like, like tell me about what, what you guys were doing. Sure, so I, I have some pictures. Oh yeah. Right. Hold on, let me let me let me find them first. But uh, I, you know, in my opinion, and this is my personal opinion, I think you're an idiot if you don't use geothermal as part of your new construction. If you're doing new construction, um, if you can afford it, uh, and you have you're not on directly on bedrock, I think that um, the amount of money it saves year over year, especially with the lifetime of that greenhouse, is just you're 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 throwing away money for no reason if you don't do it. Um, it just makes a huge difference if it's in a cold climate. It means that in the wintertime, I'm starting off at 57 degrees or 55 degrees and then going up from there. If it's in a hot climate, I always have that cooler air I can pull out of the ground here in, in Oklahoma. It's not quite as cool as it was in Colorado underground, but it's a hell of a lot cheaper for me to run a couple of, uh, uh, of recirculatory fans blowing underground than it is to run an AC unit. You know, we're talking thousands of dollars per month difference, um, you know, so and we just installed a, and the other big problem we have with aquaponic systems to a lesser extent with soil systems here in Oklahoma is the soil gets too hot or the water gets too hot. So we've been running coils. In fact, a buddy of mine, we just helped a buddy of mine, Bain, up at um, uh, Vertica Aquaponics, give them a, a really large uh, system where they're using geothermal coils to cool the water and their aquabox the system oh, wow. and, and they're running giant uh, coils through the beds and then running them underground on, on giant loops that look very similar to the one that you did um, uh, but horizontally uh, but through metal coils uh, to, to bleed the heat off faster. oh yeah they were talking about um, yeah because you have to use three coils, to four corrugated coils yes yes because that you have to use three to four times the length of the black corrugated, like the stuff that you guys use in yours to get the same amount of BTU transfer to the soil as if you use the black, the, the metal um, PEX, the, the, yeah. you get the gas line with the yellow plastic on it. You take a razor blade, cut the plastic off. Or if you put it in the ground, you can leave the plastic on because it's gonna help with the, 
moisture and all, but. But yeah, no, that's that's um, that's one of the reasons why when we were, when we set out to, to start building this thing is we wanted to do it right. That was one of the biggest things is climate management. Like, how are you going to manage that? We're not going to slap a mini split on a greenhouse. That's <laughs> silly. Um, I've seen people do it, though, in Coachella. You want to see a bunch of facilities built that way? Go to Coachella Valley. There's a whole row of them. Oh, greenhouses with mini splits on it? Not many splits, but oh, huge AC. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're make, they better have a windmill on the property. Generally. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Mike Tyson's facilities like that. And uh, you have, what is it, Cochillan is like that. There's a whole bunch of large complex facilities out there in Coachella Valley that are all built around that kind of concept. Yeah, we were talking to one of our friends when we posted, one of our friends, uh, one of the guys on, on Instagram chimed in and um, they mentioned that there's uh, some new technology where they're, they're actually doing horizontal straight pipes and you're, they're able to directional drill. So they, from what I yeah. understand, they, they, drill, they drill like, you know, they drill this way and they use a magnet or some sort of a sensor and they can actually point the head which way they want to go. And you can zigzag under your house, back and forth, back and forth, however deep you want to go. And, you know, that way, or or they just drill straight down vertically. Um, we had an excavator. <laughs> we, we didn't have the cool drills. Uh, those, we, you know, there's, there's definitely budget in mind. So that's one of the reasons we did it ourselves. But um, yeah, geothermal, geothermal cooling is even if, if you don't have a greenhouse, you just had a house. That that should be the way to to do it. Yeah, so this, excited to see what you guys have built. Yeah, so this is solar water heaters. Um, you can see the gas PEX line that goes underground come, coming in here and running into a coil on the bottom of the tank here. This was an early prototype design. Um, and this runs underneath on the left hand, bottom left hand corner, you can see the, the grow bed. That was mounted on a, 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 a school bus frame that had gone into a car accident. Uh, and that we we bought the frame of or bought the junked bus and then cut the frame off of it and then used that um, where the the mounts were we used the feet from the adjustable scaffolding uh, so that we could adjust it and level it as the weight oh, and everything settled so we could re-level the whole or we could lift the whole platform as much as two feet uh, if we wanted to it took a while but you could do it if I had to get under that to repair it I could stand in there with my head above the water and and repair something like that without it being a pain in the ass other than just taking a while so it was pretty cool um uh i don't think we ever got any pictures of it with a jacked up but it's pretty dope um, and then here's kind of the idea with the solar water heaters on how you would run that with a very cold climate say canada or something like that uh, here's uh, the pex line that we tried to put underneath the geothermal that really didn't do much uh, and then here's the actual geothermal that we do with the airlines running it in a v pattern um, here's how it would look like in a, in a, in a demonstration uh, if you kind of took the dirt away. So that'd be the input redistribution coming out. Yeah, and this would, for, this would be for air. This wouldn't be for, yeah. if you're going to do water, you'd do like the top left picture here. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the research I did before we started this project, we, we, we looked at a lot of different designs and um, yeah, we settled on this one because this was the one that made the, the most sense to us. Oh yeah, um, no, it'll make a huge difference for you, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I already know, you leave a little 10 by 20 
clone tray outside for a few minutes and temperature spikes like crazy. <laughs> so um, that's cool. Um, you building anything like that now? Are you guys working on any? Yeah, we have, a, we have right two now? facilities we're, we're building right now in Oklahoma and we have other facilities in other parts of the world right now that we're building as well. We have some in Africa and one in Canada and all over right now that we got stuff going on. We have a project, I have a project in Georgia going up right now. We have all over the place. We, it, aquaponic cannabis is, is booming. Me, Marty and I have uh, joined forces now and we have more work than time. So yeah, uh, 2020, everyone's been kind of focusing in on, on sustainable food production and cannabis production and and, and California now requiring recirculation next year for, for all, uh, you know, water-based cannabis production, everything else. People are, hey, we have to get on board or we're going to be out of business. So um, we're seeing just an absolute explosion of, of interest. Yeah, I mean, what gets me about, like, what I'm excited about is just the, 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 the type of plant. Uh, you can have different gene expressions. Um, like you said, the higher 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 cannabinoids, higher higher THC levels, just higher everything um, in, in those dual reasons. And and you have the you have more endophytes, you have more endophytic fungi, more endophytic uh, bacteria, more more microbe species interacting with the plant and interacting with the plant's immune system, and and that's what the plant makes terpenes for. They're defense mechanisms to protect itself. So the more ways that you can stimulate it, like with vaccines or with microbes or whatever you want to use uh, to stimulate the plant's immune system. Um, uh, you can do that. And that's what the microbes and, and fermented inoculants, uh, they act kind of like a vaccine does to, to stimulate the plant's immune system and get it to create those antibodies or in the case of plants, terpenes, which then are desirable to us as, as a financial, you know. Yeah, you, you mentioned endophytes. Uh, are you familiar with the work Dr. James, I think it was Dr. James, James Smith. You familiar with that dude? Um, he, he studies how plants actually eat microbes through the tips of the root. We have a picture of it. I heard one of his talks. Oh, yeah. What's his name? Uh, was it Mysti Mystical Fungi or... Oh, damn it. I was first exposed to this at Dragonflies. Josh brought out this book. Um, what the hell is it called? Find Somebody that. in chat. Um, hold on. I'll find it. Give me a minute to Google food. Picture of the root. And so what him and his, his, his team um, discovered is that they'll actually eat bacteria from the tip of the roots, strip the cell of the bacteria off and consume it. But the stuff that's inside that makes up the, um, oh, I'm sorry, James Smith, it's Dr. James F. White, PhD, my apologies. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, they, they spit the innards back out through the root hairs. So that's what those little root hairs are. The little hairs are actually exhaust pipes. Um, you know, all the, what is it, the cytoplasm? I, I can't remember what the names of the things on the inside of the cells were. Um, protoplasts, inner organs, and the bacteria, all that stuff was expelled from the root hairs. That's crazy. Yeah, just above the tip. So yeah, you see those fuzzy things, those fuzzy things are, are, are pooping bacteria guts back into the soil and I think they reconstitute and turn into bacteria and I, I don't know exactly what happens but they, they've got a, like microscopic, microscopic images of, of, of it or video of it actually occurring it's really neat 
watching the bacteria enter the root from the tip. And then you just see things moving and then you'll see this cloud forming around the root tip of the bits that it kicked out. <laughs> the bits of the bacteria it kicked out. So that's, yeah, plants actually eat bacteria. There's a, a super cool book called uh, Advances in um, uh, Endophytic Fungal Research, but I'm trying, I still haven't found the book that I was trying to find originally. I'll find it. But uh, uh, that Advances in Endophytic Fungi book has is, is definitely helped open some additional doors for me just in my own research. Well, yeah, I mean, the difference between the, 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 the types of fungus that you, you know, you have, the endophytes would be like endo meaning inside, right? And then you have the ecto. Um, and those are predominantly out, outside of the plant. So the ones that are actually in the plant, um, they, they, they do some cool things. They, they're actually like a, ex would you say they'd be like an extension of the plant? Cause they're like halfway in and halfway out of the plant. They become part of the plant. I don't it's know. It's kind of like the same way your gut microbes are. Uh, I finally found the book. I'm going to share it here. Sweet. It's uh, radical mycology by Peter McCoy. Really awesome book. We're going to have to read that one. Yeah, it's up there with, with Jeff Lowenfeld's books. It's it's a much, uh, uh, you got to have a little bit more familiarity with the biology to read it compared to Jeff's books, but uh, a little bit thicker on the science, but definitely a really cool book. Um, but I was first exposed to it thanks to Dragonfly. Wow, I mean, just the, the 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 cover is already interesting. Yeah, yeah. Ricky. Got it. Got Some it. Some reading material. Um, any other reading material that you would uh, you you'd suggest on on the subject of maybe mic microbiology or my microbes or anything like like what we're doing with KNS? Um, Master Cho's book and the Jadam book, but you probably already know about those. But other than that, I, you know, I, at this point now, I, I find more interesting things for what I'm doing on scholar.google.com <laughs> and then just jumping down rabbit holes and, and looking at weird papers, a lot of stuff on dye making. There's a lot of fermentation and a lot of uh, dye making and, and alcohol like drink making and things like that. If you're looking into enzymes and you know, other things that might be plant beneficial from a fertilizer standpoint, um, uh, you know, the phycocyanin stuff, some of that we were further refined by looking up some of the phycocyanin uh, dye making methods, right? So like it's a combination of KNF and dye making is basically what we're doing, right? So like this is some of the ways where if you just look at, there's a lot of research with a lot of the compounds that we're after, but they're not and hydroponics they're not in living soil they're for dye making or for some industrial purpose for some some compound that, that they happen to find a microbe that, that that does a really good job of, of isolating that or refining it or further purifying it or whatever um, and that's been a lot of you know i can't sleep it's 2 a.m let's read some scholar papers on you know some more lactobacillus shit that we haven't worked on before whatever um, yeah. I don't sleep that great. So that's just one of the things that I can do to 
to do that or let's map out a bunch of shit in a spreadsheet or, or whatever and, and see if there's some more stuff in the data that we're not seeing or, or whatever whatever so that's kind of i guess what i've been doing i guess the last since especially in africa it's not there's not much to do at night right so like as soon as the sun goes down we we fire you know eat dinner fire up a generator and then sit and write or read and watch a movie until the generator runs out of power and we either put more gas in or we go to bed right like so you know i had nothing to do but read or write for, for quite a few months this year so <laughs> yeah uh, no those, those papers are, have been extremely helpful because you'll find like little bits and pieces of of somebody's research that you're like hey wait a minute that piece of the puzzle fits over here too mm -hmm. and you're able to put two things together and then you run an experiment and you're like, oh wow that works also, uh, just a lot with chris trump chris trump has got a uh, a lot of cool ideas and he's got a, a, a group of people that he's always constantly R&Ding stuff with and Wendy Kornberg and some of the other awesome uh, KNF pioneers are always working on different side projects and, and things like that and sometimes they'll share them and, and have us test them or R&D them or whatever and uh, it's been some of the other rabbit holes that he's got he got me down that that whole IPM IMO we were looking for a solution in, in Africa and that was his suggestion that wasn't anything that I came up with I, I have no claim to that. Don't don't let anyone tell you that I invented it or, you know, it's my idea. It's not. It's Chris's. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, but that concept, I think, is a great idea. And I want to help get the word out because it's a great it works. Right. It ain't going to work 100 percent of the time. But especially if you're trying to stick to organic options and you you uh, or, hey, if you're just in a remote place, there's a lot of people I, I talk to, especially coming up with the Aquaponics Association Conference that are in remote parts of the world. They're, they're trying to grow aquaponics to feed an isolated population of people or a po population of people that don't have money to go spend, you know, on, on a bunch of, of product or don't have money to import what they really need. So this gives them an option that they don't have. You know? Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it, just the fact that it was as effective as 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 uh, you know something to to knock the population down—that's that's huge. I mean, you know, a lot of times you got to use nasty chemicals to, when it gets that far out of hand. That it's, yeah, it won't kill the river next door, and it won't poison their kids when they drink from the river, right? So it's like, yeah, this is good. Chris, Chris's videos are just so digestible and it, enjoyable to watch, and it's like the next one you're like. Okay, what hairstyle is he gonna have? What's he gonna be doing with his mustache? I'm in. Let's do this. Oh yeah. I really enjoy watching his videos. I mean, they're very informative. You get to see like just how how passionate he is about his craft. You know, he's really really passionate. About he he's the king of KNF, and and uh, I think Wendy Kornberg's the queen. She's definitely the most knowledgeable woman in in KNF too. So. Oh yeah, it seems like every time there's a, a KNF class, the two of them are there. Yeah, if there's anybody right. else that wants a, a bottle, we'll give another one away. We'll go, we'll go three. What we'll do is um, if you guys can post the before and after and tag us in, we'd like to see how, how, how well it's working in your garden. We, we love that. We love interacting. Um, right. Or just tag people. us in wherever. We like to see what you guys are up to. What are you yeah. guys growing? I think on the theme of, of, uh, of uh, uh, human amino acid and uh, fermented inputs, I think we'll go with Cannibal Canna as the... Cannibal yeah. Canna. So email me, Cannibal Canna at potentponks at gmail. We'll get you a bottle. 
Awesome. awesome. That is a great name. <laughs> yeah, we get, some, we get some fun people in, in chat for sure. We have a great community of people that support us. We love to work with a lot of the other people. We get a lot of crossover from the Do Grows crew and uh, the Embracing Organics guys and the Hash Church people. And we have a lot of, you know, other wonderful people and, and people that we, we cross pollinate communities with that support each other. You know, um, uh, Jordan River just is going through a lot of, and, uh, and the guys over at Homegrown Helpers. Uh, after their, their, you know, sudden loss lately. And uh, we just kind of, you know, the first thing we did, I found out while we were doing the conference and it was like, cool, how can we have the audience help you? Is there a, a donation thing going? Like, what, what can we do? And there isn't a, they're, they're not accepting donations. The family's not accepting donations, but hey, like we all support each other. Same thing with the fires. You know, we, we, we got on uh, on um, Future Cannabis and, and, and helped them with that. And, you know, when um, um, Nick was going through his stuff with needing some, some, you know, raising money for his medical stuff, you know, made sure we're doing any of that. So the community supports each other. We try to always, if someone's, you know, needing help right now, Eddie Lepp, if you guys are out there and you guys can give it, give to Eddie Lepp, check out Eddie Lepp on, uh, and donate to his PayPal right now. He's one of the people that is kind of a weed OG that spent decades in jail, um, you know, because of the plant and, and fighting the good fight. He's now fighting for his life right now and needs help um, financially. And, and um, he's, you know, fight, fighting a, a pretty nasty cancer battle right now. So if you can help him out uh, and donate, please do. He's done a hell of a lot for the community, uh, especially before a lot of you even knew what the community was. Uh, so if you can donate to him, uh, uh, please do. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it's your chance to, and your, your, your ability and, uh, and your opportunity to really, uh, to give back to people that helped us get to where we we can have a podcast and talk about this without worrying about the police kicking my door in you know i we i couldn't do this in every place i was in africa you know not without worrying about the cops you know we can do that here we have that luxury you know what i mean so yeah yeah i remember that if if, if, if you weren't if you didn't have that anxiety when you first started growing <laughs> of wondering if the neighbors know if they're ratting you out if you're gonna get you know your door kicked in i mean it's you know it's different now yeah. oh, for but sure. i'm enjoy i'm enjoying this side of the community um yeah. like a, a lot a lot of the grow community can get a little bit contentious and stuff and that i i have no appetite for that um i enjoy this it's much like the um the beer brewing communities and stuff. I, I, in a, in another life, I used to brew beer and how much love and respect. And it's like, nobody cared that you, you brewed the same kind of beer. They wanted to taste it. And then they were going to, they were going to give you some notes on it and stuff. And that's, that's what I enjoy about the, the, the natural side of um, the cannabis community. Um, everybody seems to really back each other up and, and uh, it's nothing but love. I really appreciate it. Yeah, sharing knowledge and sharing experiences and sharing what 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 you've learned with without like um, you know a lot of ego I think gets involved and so if you're sharing something that's gonna help somebody that you know you can take it with a grain of salt. It, we we have no time for ego yeah. over here. We're we're trying to do too many good things. Um, if I'm wrong about something, I'm the first person to tell you that I'm wrong. Um, I, I want to be corrected. I want to, I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. Uh, 
there's no point in in doing this if you're trying to stand on a pedestal and and, and preaching and and trying it, it i have no appetite for it. It, it's 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 not right in my book um we constantly ask our customers what we can do to to help make it better what we can do to to improve you know your your experience uh, in the garden with us i mean is there any any information we'd like you know that, that we can share with you to help you you know do do what it is that you do better um that's that's our whole goal is to, to help people's garden be the best it can be um because I mean, why not right <laughs> oh yeah all right well i think that's a good uh, a good way to wrap up the show um, uh, for those of you guys, there were uh, a couple people asked who, who we were talking about. Um, if you're looking to donate, uh, check out OG Eddie Lep uh, on PayPal, uh, or you can just look up OG Eddie Lep on uh, uh, Facebook. There's plenty of links and, and, and all that if you want to find out more about him. Uh, and then, um, uh, yeah, so uh, if you're interested, uh, be sure to check out the uh, Aquapong Association Conference this weekend if you want to find out more information. Uh, I'll have two separate presentations on Sunday. Um, and uh, why don't you guys tell everybody how to find you and uh, and find out more about Casual Fields and, and your other awesome products that you guys make. Um, you can reach out to us on Instagram. That's where we are. You can DM, DM us at uh, casualfields underscore ferment underscore CO. Um, I'm Attack of the Grow, so you could find me also on IG, um, and you'll see the cannabis-related posts there. Um, and you can find me on uh, Casual underscore Fields. Um, I, I've been spending a lot more time on the um, on the Casual Fields Ferment Co. Uh, site, but I'm trying to update as much as possible. I'm just busy, so busy. No, uh, yeah. I feel you there, man. We we've been we got our extraction lab. We have our edibles. We've been launching here in Oklahoma, and we have cultivation site going up and dealing with the licensing and then just all the different complicated pieces and then also uh working overseas or consulting overseas and all stuff and then we got the this yeah, for those of you guys that are watching that need help with your nutrients and aquaponics we also have the subscription service through true aquaponics so the true newt subscription service where we can uh, test your water for you balance it out and test you a pack get your tear open port and your sump and forget it's a thing um, we have it for both hydroponics and aquaponics so uh, and organic. So if you need, depending on uh, what level of complexity that you need, uh, we can handle all of those things. And uh, all you have to do is send your water out once a month or twice a month, depending on your subscription level. So uh, yeah, check that out. We'll be adding additional levels of, of resources to those. We have some pest management stuff coming down the line. We have some some other really cool resources for uh, providing people with some of the other things that they need regularly on a on an easy to use kind of interface where they can kind of pay one price and get kind of all the things that they need uh, on a regular basis without having to think about it. Uh, you know, we know the size, once we know the size of your facility and what you're doing regularly, it's not gonna change all that much. So we can help make sure that all those things are arriving before you need them uh, and kind of, you know, cut down on a lot of the problems that people have. So, um, and then also get, just get rid of some of the, the phantom problems that people have with their plants. So, um, alrighty, uh, thanks everybody for watching. You can find out more. Uh, about myself from uh, Potent Ponics on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Uh, Marty and I have uh, just finished up our, our class at apmjclass.com. Um, we're just finishing up the last couple of touches on the editing and getting the last couple of things inserted into there. 
Um, I know uh, this month has been ended up slightly busier than Marty and I were kind of hoping, um, but we'll definitely have that completed next uh, at the end of this month, beginning of next month. We're trying to get it done by November 1st. Might be a couple of days after that, but we're almost there on on the, on, on time. So uh, it'll be an over five day long aquaponic cannabis class with everything from business to um, pest management, minerals, system design, uh, plant care, uh, minerals and uh, mineralization, um, microbial management, and and, and uh, colonization and everything else. So it's it's quite interesting, quite extremely extensive, and we'll be updating that quarterly with new slides, new information, uh, new video content, uh, and we have um, film from over six different uh, aquaponic cannabis farms uh, from around the world, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, my, my, my animals have decided they're going to try and take over the show today. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, but uh, but uh, you can check that out at apmjclass.com. We'll be launching the new brand new version of that next month. You can pre-order now. And um, yeah, check that out. So uh, uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, thanks again for Casual Fields and Attack of the Show for joining us. Be sure to check that out. Again, they're kind of leading the way in the fermented plant uh, input uh, line. I don't know of anyone else that's kind of moving down this direction. It's really awesome to finally see this in a bottled form because everyone always asks about it. Um, so uh, thanks for coming on and uh, we'll see you guys again uh, next week. We have some more uh, some more cool guests, guests again. And then uh, after we get this class launched, we should be able to go back to two shows a week instead of one. So uh, yeah, expect that once this class is finished. Uh, 